0: He could see the moon people started worshiping the moon because of him number one and they actually have moved there has not been a one giant piece of ice like they're telling us it is just the, the, depending on how the earth axis the has moon been moving it has moved many many times in the Dendera zodiac there's calendar zodiac. Tells you that the Earth passed through Cancer and Leo in back and forth during the time of Thoth or Hermes. It was uh, King Louis the Sixteenth of France. He said, "I am Jupiter and I am the Sun," and but also Queen Elizabeth said, "I am the Sun." And I control the weather. <laughs> she was saying that and she had dress a dress with eyes and ears <laughs> in her dress. I hear everything and I see everything. So so this creepy surveillance state of things is not new the moon people started worshiping the moon because of him and then uh, people started shrinking and but it was it took a while actually so imagine we are like i said we are traveling through the solar system and as you know there's like a, an order of the moon all hail the
1: moon is this thing on yo hey hey what up everybody hey fire tribe It is your boy, Homie Romy, here with some good old house cleaning. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on this awesome chat, bringing in some calendar switches, some astrological history, comets in history, asteroids in history, the space news in a vast historical timeline. You got to love it. It plays an important role ties into a lot of the stuff we've been talking about this month and last month and what we'll always be talking about, the Gnosis. Thank you so much for joining us today and I would like to invite you to Telegram. We have a group chat on Telegram that is amazing. I love it. It is my favorite. Um, You know, when I find a sweet PDF book from... 1385. I can go and automatically turn around and share it with the group chat. You can post videos, photos, all the things. I love it. Also, I want to mention if you are interested in past life readings, energy healing, energy readings, and things along that clairvoyant nature, a really good friend of mine has been studying in this area for quite some time. I myself have been getting work from her for about three to four years. Before that, she was also a massage therapist, and I would get incredible body wear from her. She's a great friend, and she's actually been on this show before. Her name is Sobaya Sogard. You can go and find her in the Divine Feminine Month, and I have her on a Patreon episode as well. Now, I was doing a session the other day. Actually, it was a, it was a, um, a multiple mix of sessions. She's setting up these really cool ways to, um, to be consistent with the readings, to really pull these things out. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was skeptic about past life readings and energy and psychic work in general for quite some time. Until my first Reiki session. Now it was such a a sensation to say the very least. The Reiki session that I had for the first time, my skin was tingling underneath, like pens and needles, for about fifteen minutes, and I couldn't stand up. It was insane. And so ever since then, I have been actually looking at these other alternative, you know, series of medicine or just a deeper type of almost therapy of sorts i mean it's really great honestly after every session i feel amazing and generally the next day i'm just straight beaming and you know if there's things going on with you in your circles with your family with your your home life or your work life you know energy itself can attach itself to you It's so interesting. It's kind of like how a magnet can pick up iron filings and things, or in this conversation, which we talk about, asteroid and comet tails, collecting things as it goes through the cosmos. So as you, your gravitational field is moving along, it's picking up other energies, subtle energies, things you might not notice are actually almost kind of eating at you. Now, I know that I've been experiencing this, and so when I get work from her, when I'm consistent with it, I feel amazing. So I said, why don't we start shouting you out on the podcast to see if any of the Fire Tribe would be interested in going to you for sessions. Maybe you can give them a discount. And she said, I would love that, Roman. Can we do that? And I said, yes, ma'am. So that's what we are here doing right now. Her website will be in the show notes, and you go and reach out to her, tell her that you're a part of the fire tribe, and she will give you discounted sessions. I highly recommend it, at least checking it out if it's something that intrigues you. She is working in this field for a long time, and she is an absolute beauty in this cosmic sense, and this beautiful clairvoyant sense, and sometimes it just helps to talk about the things on another level to somebody who is adept in these fields, you know? So, if that's something you guys are interested in, go on over and check her out, Sabaya Sogard at visionswitch.space. Now, if you want to support the boys, Dan and myself, you can go over to the Patreon and subscribe to that and get bonus content. It's three bucks a month. If you want to do that, amazing. We love you for that. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, you know it's how we get to pay for the rss hosting and you know all these like little tiny fees that come up with the podcasting realm you know uh it's it's awesome and so i want to thank all the patrons that we do have i hope you guys are enjoying the bonus content and fire tribe in general i hope that you guys are enjoying this content if there's anybody you want us to talk to be sure to reach out and let us know and if you have email addresses, that makes it so much easier. <laughs> Half the battle is just you know um, looking for who to contact, how to contact them, when to contact them, the timing of everything. It's absolutely also wonderful, and it is work, but we love the work. Life is about the great work, as the alchemist <laughs> the alchemist, as the alchemist would say, it is the great work life is the journey of the great work unpeeling one layer at a time now i love you guys very much and i hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day and i hope that this interview inspires you in some way now before we jump to the interview of course we're going to have an rfta news segment with our good friend adam stokes We're diving into the mounds. You guys get the picture. If you listen to this show, which I know you do, which you are doing right now, that you know what we talk about with Adam, the mounds. So get ready, strap in Adam Stokes for the RFTA news segment, and then we're going to get right into the Tess Clark interview. All right, Fire Tribe. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you over on Telegram.
0: R F.
2: Perfecto.
3: Hola, Fire Tribe. Welcome. Back to R.F.T.A. News. News you can trust. We're back with Adam Stokes. Adam, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, the first week of school here, so I'm switching to a new school. Actually really excited about this job. I'm still a Latin teacher, but just Mm -hmm. at a new school. Mm -hmm. It's a boarding school, actually, so I'm really excited Mm -hmm. about it i um, really looking forward to it, but the orientation has been basically nonstop. Been a lot of fun, met a lot of really awesome people, uh, but it has totally sucked my soul this week. <laughs>
3: <laughs> man, that's rough. Virgo season. I don't do that to you.
2: Indeed. So,
3: <laughs> what, are you, what do you got for us today, man?
2: So, I have this article. It's kind of old. It's from 2018. It was a book review that I wrote in December of 2018. Now I'm looking at it on a book written by a uh, scholar who is now past, uh, Mark Leno. He was actually a mainstream archaeologist, uh, one of the most well known mainstream archaeologists in uh, in, uh, dealing with North American. History, pre-Columbian North American history, and he wrote a book, uh, "Ceremonial Lands," uh, Hopewell ceremonial landscapes of Ohio, and so um, I gave a glowing review of this book. But one of the things I really appreciated about Mark Lenote's book is that it kind of goes, even though he's a mainstream scholar, it kind of goes against the trend mm-hmm. of mainstream scholars. Basically, I think we talked about this before. Mainstream scholars will say, when it comes to the mounds in North America, that we don't know what their function was. They were just "quote unquote" ceremonial. And even though Mark Lenote uses the term "ceremonial" in the title, um, he really goes into uh, what the function of these might have been—that they served a really deep religious purpose. And he also notes that there were uh, layers of ceremonial practice. So you seem to have one group. that did uh, rituals in these mounds mm. and then another group came along later on and did some new rituals in these mounds and so i kind of tied this into uh the book of mormon being a mormon um and say that basically this might be kind of the twofold uh usage that leno, leno proposes excuse me in his book um might coincide with uh, what we have in the Book of Mormon, where you have the Nephites, the Lamanites, who identify as the Hopewell and Adina. They kill each other off around the same time that uh, Lenote argues uh, that the usage of the, that the first group that used the site died off. So that's synonymous. And then mm. there's a second group. And so I argue that that second group is basically the people, the land, uh, the Native Americans that sometimes intermix with the Hopewell, uh, they start to use uh, these mound sites. And we see this a lot in uh with north with native american mounds with north american mounds uh, not all mounds are the same so you have a mound site that's really damn old that's ancient uh the original people who built it died off their culture dies off and then another culture comes in um and uses the mounds they think of it as a sacred spot similar to what you get um in in the british isles you know, places like Stonehenge. So we know those were made by the Druids and stuff, but people were worshiping there long afterwards. Uh same with Philosopher's mm-hmm. Hill in Heidelberg. Uh shout out to Heidelberg, which was one of my alma maters, um, where uh that was used since ancient times, but it was always it was also used all the way up into modern times, 1930s, 1940s. Uh Hitler thought it was a really cool place, which is kind of hmm. messed up, really messed up. Interesting. Um but it was seen as a place of having uh, lots of magic. So that model you can kind of see uh, in, in, in Mark Lenote's work.
1: Um, so I, we just, we just hopped off, uh, talking to a guy, uh, that was covering the land, Georgia and Georgia is loaded with mounds, uh, a whole bunch of mounds. Yeah. The Etowah mounds are over there. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, does the, uh, does the Hopewell, uh, nation stem down that far? I, I didn't hear of it. Yes. Any... Yeah. But who, who do you concur built the uh, Etowah mounds?
2: Yeah, I think it's the same group. So, what is probably going on there? You have—I don't talk about these that much because I don't—I um, haven't visited. I haven't visited them. Uh, the, a lot of the mounds south, south, the farthest south I've gone with the mounds is Kentucky, but mounds go all the way literally into Mississippi and into Alabama, and Mississippi has some of the most amazing mounds there, and so. Um, people ask, are these the same people who made the mounds in Ohio um, and in Illinois and in Iowa? And yes, what we have here is that basically all of these mounds are built somewhere along the Mississippi River. And so the Hopewell, um, what are called the Hopewell and Adina, as I've argued, as I argue my book uh, back here, um, mm-hmm. they come to the New World. They come to North America. Uh, via the Mississippi River, they go up the Mississippi River. They keep going up, it, and it lands to Ohio. And they decide to establish their base as Ohio. But mm-hmm. as they're traveling, uh, they create, they basically make these colonies of these mound civilizations, uh, which are the mound civilizations that we see now. So, same groups of people.
1: So this is, yeah, that's super <laughs> fascinating because we were talking with Rick Osmond during our pre-Columbian. Oh yeah, he's uh, great. American, American month, amazing, right? And so we were talking about. How, um, you know, people were commuting from down in Mexico or down in South America all the way up into the Ohio River Valley. And it just makes the most sense. It's feasible to enter the, the mouth of the Mississippi through the Gulf yep. area right there and to use those highways. And it also makes sense why there's massive amounts of mounds all along the Mississippi there. So that's yep. supremely great and lots of, lots of threads connecting. Love it.
2: Absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah, it's all it's the, all interconnected.
3: Do you think the mounds were used as some type of type of like stash deposit? So like they could like bring goods and stuff and stash them there, and then other people could, you know, make their way to that mound, and then they could grab what they needed and go bring it to wherever else they're from. So
2: you know, that's, that's a damn out. good question, Dan. So. Um, for the most part, I think the mounds, especially the Adena mounds, were uh, burial, uh, were for burial purposes or for ritualistic temple purposes. So they have the same, uh, the same configuration as mm-hmm. kind of an Israelite temple in the old world. But, big but here, um, we found a hell of a lot we're, of copper like in butts. all of these mounds. Tons and tons and tons of copper. Not just stuff mm-hmm. that was buried with these giants, uh, with, the, with these giants, with these mound builders but just uh, copper items, tons of copper items that seem to have oh, all. just been planted there, which leads to possibly another function of these mounds that they were storage uh, for for wealth uh, for the bling of, of these mound builders, and they could turn to these mounds, grab that copper, use it for trade, and get more bling. So um, mm. that, that's, that's very much a possibility.
3: Would well, they have been using that for maybe uh, smithing or something, too, like, Making swords, I think, yeah. I think that weapons? I think that's
2: at play as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because what's interesting is it's not just in America that you find them all up and down the Mississippi, like all over the the planet or whatever. In all the countries they all seem to be by riverways or whatnot. Even like mm-hmm. all the dolmens, and it seems like the dolmens might have a similar function to that. So always kind of thought think like so, maybe yep. they're a type of like storage lockers that where they could just store stuff and then cruise out and go to wherever they wanted you know
2: yeah yeah i, I think that's definitely one of the functions i think there's a multiple uh multi-layer Multi- uh, mu- multiple functions just as with the egyptian pyramids um in uh-huh. egypt i think that there's a ton of functions with these native american mounds. they don't just serve one purpose clearly uh yes the mound builders wanted to be buried in them but they were religious sites uh where religious rituals took place where religious texts were preserved um and also where uh weapons and copper items uh were preserved as well so multiple functions for these mounds um
1: different mounds for different purposes and such like that
2: yes yes and i think you know some of the mounds yeah and i think uh roman that's a really good point so some of the mounds you can tell if the mound's shaped like a freaking serpent. That's a ceremonial. That's a ritualistic mound. Yeah, so, but other the mounds that look more like you know pyramids, Chronicle, like houses, yeah. um, are probably uh, more have more of like as as Dan said, a storehouse uh, a storehouse function.
3: Hmm. Um,
1: Beautiful. I, I have another
2: question. Oh no, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: I was actually uh, uh, well, I was listening to a podcast recently, and I heard them talking about like Arabic. And it being used in Europe and by the Germans uh, a long time ago, uh, farther back in history. I know you talk about the Arabic writing a lot in like the pre-Arabic writing or the pre Hebrew yeah. uh, in America. So I was wondering if maybe uh, how far does it actually go? Like what's the oldest that they have found mm. and have mm. they found it in these other lands? And is that just because uh, Semitic people went to Europe and Germany or is it because they also had had that writing or is it through trade or just a little bit more?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a great clarity. point. Um, I know that in America, in North America, we have, for example, uh, the Los Lunas stone, which has to go back at least before 586 BCE. Mm-hmm. Um, the earliest Hebrew inscriptions, I know, um, that within biblical archaeology, we would say. I'm trying to think, maybe tell Dan. No, tell Dan's kind of late. Kuntilat um in Israel, which has an image of the Israelite God with his girlfriend, with his. Uh, with his um, shorty um, uh, Asherah, <laughs> with his bay, um, so yeah, with his bay, with his with his girlfriend. <laughs> that goes back pretty far back, but yes, you're right. There are inscri- there are uh, Hebrew inscriptions elsewhere uh, scattered throughout uh, Europe, um, and one of the reasons I think that is is that you have Israelites and later Jews going westward throughout Europe and uh, basically with the pe- intermingling with the peoples there on their way to the new world. So you have a lot of biblical traditions and traditions of the Germans, the Irish, um, et cetera. Um, I, one of my friends uh, Aginas used to note correctly that uh, the Danish, that word comes from uh, the Danites who are a tribe of Israel, one of the lost tribes of one of the lost tribes of Israel. So I think that those <laughs> descriptions that you find in Germany, in England, In france uh come from uh either jewish colonies uh there or or jewish influence on the native inhabitants of those lands can
1: can you touch on the lost luna stone you you talked about it a little bit in the beginning of that um beautiful speech and you know that's something that's fascinating it's a stone in mexico that has uh Arabic writing all over it. and it's like lodged in between two <laughs> other huge stones like what
2: yeah yeah a lot of, and um, you know this is the Los stone stone has really stood up over time because there were a lot of critics who said that it was a hoax that you know Mormons came the Mormon uh, army came through and uh, wrote it down but we have traditions from Native Americans that go that place placed this stone as being there way before the Mormons in the 1820s and the 1810s um, so, uh, this is a very, uh, very, very old yeah. stone. And the way if you ever, I actually, I've translated the stone. I've looked at it intensely in detail, uh, full color scans, full color images. In fact, the mate, the librarian at the Los Lunas library, who is the definitive, uh, expert on the Los Lunas stone. I've talked to her several times. Wow. Um, she's given me a wealth of information about the Los Lunas stone and it really holds up. And if you look at it, um, it, it it's ancient. Um, the writing is ancient. It contains a lot of Hebrew grammar that, in the later development of the language, uh, is removed or shortened as you get in the history of vocabulary. Um, and it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. And in my view, one of the best proofs that uh, Hebrews or Israelites were here in North America thousands of years ago. Wow. When did what they,
3: does it say? When did they change from that longer form to the shorter form? Like what?
2: Yeah, I'm those weird. are so those are really ancient mistakes. So one of the things I pointed out, and I wrote an article about the low slither stone in Ancient American Magazine, is the word for uh, face. So the face of the Lord, Pane Adonai. Um, so let me, I'll spell that out just consonantally. Um, P N uh, and Yod. So P-N-Y, basically. P-N-Y. In the low slither stone, we have a very a, a extended form of that, which is very, very old. Um, you can read about this in Frank Moore Cross's uh, letters from an epigrapher's handbook. Um, Frank Moore Cross is one of the uh, experts in, in Hebrew, um, one of basically the founding fathers of, of modern biblical Hebrew studies. Um, and uh, he basically he notes that the length and form of this is P H N. Why? So that's a very old form that you have in the low sooner stone. Um, mm. And it's not uh, found in the in the versions of the Ten Commandments that you have in the Hebrew Bible. So you have the shortened later form of the word for face um, that uh, in the Hebrew Bible. But you have the longer form in the low Sunna stone, which suggests that this is, this is something that we're dealing with. That's very, very old because that shift. When the H falls out of that uh, of that mm-hmm. word, that happens very, very, very early uh, in the history of the language. So we're talking at least before uh, I would say ten uh, 1, hundred or thousand BCE.
3: Oh, wow! That's that's wow.
1: that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you so you did a whole article on this. Maybe maybe we'll cover that next time because we, we did cover it's pretty it. Pretty fascinating. Roman. <laughs> We are already did know, the Lost Little right, Stone? Yeah, we already did it. Yeah.
2: Oh, I yeah, think I think that, that was actually. one.
1: No, I missed that one, yeah. Yeah, we yeah we did unfortunately. That. <laughs> uh, well, what, what, was <laughs> the the, what was the main consensus of what it said? It's the Ten oh, Commandments. It on it's, just, it's
2: the Ten Commandments.
1: Oh, okay. Wow, that's that's super fascinating. Yeah, Could I guess it I, I edited that episode, but I'm gonna have to go back and check it out. Yeah, I was gonna actually, you know, P-H-N-Y, it was one that kind of Phoenicians came to my head. Was, yeah, yeah what, Phoenix, what about the
3: Phoenicians? Too. Yeah,
2: it's all connected, the languages are all connected, <laughs> just like the mouse Okay, okay.
3: <laughs> Because the Phoenicians were traders, right? So they were like mercantile. They're the merchant class. So they, if they were like going all over the place, bringing goods from different places everywhere, well,
2: they, we we have, have been using that coin. language
3: as kind of like the merchant language?
2: Well, Phoenician is very similar to, uh, Phoenician is one of my favorite languages because it's connected, directly connected to two of my, two of my other favorite languages, Phoenician is uh, very similar to Hebrew. It's also very similar to Latin um, mm. and in fact, um, I don't really like this guy but Saint Augustine um, he was a Christian theologian. I, I think he was kind of a douche honestly <laughs> of, um, of but, Hippo. Uh,
1: yeah, he was but, very controversial.
2: Yeah he, he, I, I don't I don't <laughs> like him for a variety of reasons. Anyway, he used a form of Phoenician known as Punic, which okay. is basically, um the Hebrew grammar written in the Latin alphabet. Um so it's and we have a bunch mm. of Punic inscriptions all over uh the Roman Empire that are written um in Latin script. So um you guys still there? Yeah, you're good. All right. Um so we have a bunch of uh Punic inscriptions uh written in Latin script. So Punic is uh so Phoenician is kind of the best of both worlds, Latin mm. and and Hebrew.
1: Interesting. Our buddy Chance says that the Phoenicians never existed and uh, that they're phony.
2: Oh gosh! Phony. No, no, we, we have them all. <laughs> we have them all over the place. They're very well attested to. Okay. The Romans tried mm-hmm. to wipe them out, and they did They almost succeeded in wiping them out, but we still have so much of the culture. Even in Roman, in Roman literature, you know, with the Aeneid, for example, you have Dido, who's the queen of the Phoenicians. So they're they're all over the place. Mm-hmm.
1: You, you did not get rid of wow. the Phoenician.
3: Is that like an uh, uh, equivalent to Diane? or
2: uh, Dido? No, no, no. Uh, Dido is... Because you have Diana in uh, in the Aeneid, but uh, Dido is just this... She's this uh, Carthaginian um, princess who falls in love with Aeneas. Hmm. But then the gods say, Aeneas, you gotta go on, so he breaks up with her. Um, and it's so heartbreaking that she burns herself on a funeral pyre. <laughs>
1: True love, um, yeah. yeah true love like a Romeo and Juliet. There's a whole opera so, about
2: yeah. it. That's actually pretty good. Oh really? <laughs> so, oh really?
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Dido
2: hmm. and Aeneas.
1: Dido and Aeneas. So yeah. So uh, back to this book, though. Um, this uh, this author has passed. What was some of his other works? Did he did he have any other notable works that you enjoyed?
2: Um. He just he did a lot on this. Was his main work. But he did a lot of articles and stuff on uh, pre-Columbian American history, and very widely respected. Um, one of those people, everybody in the field. I know I'm kind of on the fringe. I'm proudly on the fringe, very proudly on the fringe. But nice. even the, the fringe and the mainstream uh, respected this guy, and his his work was really uh, was really really good.
1: Mm, cool, yeah. I'm gonna have to check him out. Maybe uh, maybe get a copy of that and. Uh... You know check it out I'm, we're there's there's so much so much to the pre-columbian stories and there's so much to cover like the, the the underground uh, connections, you know, that's kind of something I want to find. I, w- I was going to ask you about um, some of these markings on the sides of the mounds, or, um, or, or or these these entrances to caves having like denotions from like big arrow marks, either on certain mountains or things like that. Um, yeah, is there is there any up by you where you're at? Are there any cave? Uh, I, I don't know the, the right word for it. Relief or uh, inscriptions that are on the sides of mountains or mounds.
2: Um, not in the mounds near me. Um, but I know some mounds uh, do contain inscriptions. Inscriptions were found inside of them. Um, some of the Georgia mounds that uh, Dan was talking about, um, inside of them, they're really cool because you'll think it's like just a hill. It's just like a, it's just like a hill. Um, but inside, uh, very intricate. Uh, basically, um, there's an open space, uh, where thing, where things were put. So, uh, really, uh, really fascinating. It depends on the mound.
1: Wow. That's, that's super cool. We were, we were also uh, talking about stone mountain earlier too, which is, uh, another place in Georgia. That's like a huge, supposedly like not hollow, but it goes like all the way down to the bedrock, like seven. Yeah. Miles into the there, ground, of
2: there's some mounds like that. I mentioned last week, uh, when I went to the um, mount Mound, I believe, in Wisconsin. Um, and I took that, I took a picture, I'll Belmont. send it to you. But the whole thing looked like a freaking mountain, but it was a mound, um, and really, uh, really impressive.
3: Do hmm. you think all mountains are mounds?
2: I think a hell of a lot more than, than we think. Yeah. yeah I was I driving
3: yeah. home today and I seen a mountain to my left and uh, when I was driving my car and I was just staring at it trying to drive too, you know. But I was like, man, that sure does have a nice looking pyramid shape to it.
2: Uh-huh. I, I think that's a lot I think that's the case for a lot of these mountains, not only in here, but you know, all over the world. You know, Russia and China um, have their own pyramids and people just call them mountains. It's not, it's <laughs> not a, it's not a mountain, it's not a pyramid. It's just a mountain, but it's a
1: pyramid. Yeah. When they're covered, they're covered with grass, like these ones that are Chinese pyramids that you're talking about, they're just covered in grass and trees. And unless you were told it was a pyramid, you wouldn't know because it's literally covered in foliage. So I guess it's really about, uh, you know, something else too I was digging into earlier uh, is just the, I'm going to butcher the word spurlunkering spelunker Splunking. spelunking Splunking. So, you know there was like this rush and this this time period in american history where um <clears throat> there was so much resources to be had and to be claimed ownership on or what have you but it was to the adventurous to go get it and um you know there is there's a rise in spurlunkering at a certain time and uh, but what I'm getting at is like it's like we we only know about the mounds that you know are there we're being told about and that have been excavated and, and looked at but it, it's just yeah. really how adventurous are we really being to go check out and see yeah. what it is and then what can what actions can we take to maybe say, can we look at this further? You know, you have to go get federal funding or some sort of local funding and LIDAR scans and things like you, that. You but,
2: know, it's interesting. Uh, is there any works? Yes, yes. Um, my friend going to the question I think you're about to ask, my friend, uh, Dr. Greg Little, um, in his book, Encyclopedia of Native American Mounds and Earthworks, he'll show what a mound looked like 100 years, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, and it's overgrown with trees and stuff like that. And people have uncovered it and realized it wasn't natural. It was it was man. These are man made. So I think that's the case with a lot of these hills and mounds all over the world.
1: Yes, and I want—is there any new projects that are, are coming out that you've heard of, like about doing LiDAR scans here in America to find more uh, things like that?
2: Well, one of my friends, a guy, guy I write uh, articles for in an Ancient America magazine, uh, Wayne May, he is doing uh, ground-penetrating radar and LIDAR um, for a temple site um, oh. that we found in Fort Madison, uh, Iowa. So um, he, I know he's doing some work on that. I'm not sure cool. if anybody else has done that, but we actually had um, a, a LIDAR specialist from Russia, a wonderful lady, um, Giofko, I believe is her last name, uh, but wonderful lady, one of the nicest people I've ever met, um, who, who does this ground penetrating radar, uh, it's professional and really, really darn good at, at finding stuff.
3: Awesome. Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How much is a LIDAR machine?
2: A crap load of money. <laughs> money you gotta get. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they get more patrons and, and you know
2: here's the funky thing they charge like for for a section so just like to do a little plot might be like twenty thousand so dollars if you want to oh. do a whole thing I mean you're too, you're talking about at least you know throwing down a half mil or something like that hmm. it's very expensive technology mm. wow. very expensive technology
3: yeah yeah this mountain that I drove by there seemed to be like in the middle of it like a some type of crevice that looked like a cave opening. And I was like, yeah. hmm, I want to go over
1: there. Spurlongering?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you know, sp- I'm
2: going <laughs> to kind of my tradition, because I have to bring in Mormonism into everything. Um, but there <laughs> nice. was, um, in, uh, in in the Mormon tradition, there is a tradition uh, that the Hill Camorra, where Joseph Smith uh, found the golden plates, um, that there was an opening in that hill. And inside of that opening were a bunch of artifacts Uh, ancient Mm. text, ancient materials and the like. So um, who knows what, what these mountains may have?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dude, I've, I've heard many stories. I heard a story the other day from a friend who came to visit talking about a guy up in Redding, California, that, I, I'm not joking. Everybody legitimately went, he was, he was cross country or he was out of the country, but um, him and his friends went to Thailand for like surfing or something. And they stumbled upon uh, a bunch of American gold while out of the, out of the States. Oh, and wow. they, they stumbled upon literal, a literal like chest or a bag full of gold bars just by being adventurous and going out and about. And then They, you know, they did the right thing and they like brought it to the embassy but uh, they ended up actually winning it and keeping it, keeping all the gold there. And so, yeah, totally, totally, absolutely possible. Um, you know, and, and, I highly recommend like going out, like Adam, you travel all over the place, man. You are, you're getting out there, you know, right. you're going to <laughs> check in all these places. Let me ask you this. You know, there's obviously some, like some, uh, some giant lore within the Mormonism, uh, uh you know, viewpoints. How tall supposedly was Joseph Smith? Was he a giant?
2: No, no. He was pretty tall though. He was like over six feet. He was higher than most of the people during his time period. Hmm.
1: Okay, nice. Nice. Yeah. Just thought I would ask, you know, I, I, I don't know if he was like a you know, part of the part of the ancient bloodline or anything like that. Maybe. He
2: claimed to be part of the ancient uh, ancient bloodline, yes. So he mm. claimed to be uh, part of the ancient Israelite bloodline. So um hmm. So so, go figure.
1: Huh, cool, cool man. Sweet. All right. Well, this has been a great uh, intro episode. Everybody, you guys are stoked. <laughs> Always extra double scoop
3: when we got Adam on.
2: Yeah. Man. Well, my my pleasure. I'll, I'll I'll try and find something good for next week as well.
3: Yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, any Any anywhere uh, people can go check you out or anything like that, man.
2: Um, Instagram. I have in my uh my Latin tutoring website I've been trying to like update it but I put a bunch of ancient history stuff on there as well. Wow. I even have one of my lectures I gave at the Phoenician Museum uh, a couple weeks back. So Lingua Classica um it's connected to Facebook um and you can you can see some of my uh, lectures on there.
3: Excellent. Have you been on oh, any awesome. uh podcasts lately or done anything like that recently?
2: No, um I was on let me see. Um Debbie gets red pill but that was about a couple of weeks back. That was okay. her, uh, yeah, it's about like 3 or 4 weeks ago. All right. So, like uh, I said, this new job has has sucked my soul.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're lucky to have you,
3: man. Uh, Excellent.
1: hope you get some good rest coming up here.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We we my, appreciate always you. My pleasure. We appreciate you around here, Adam, and uh, so do all the listeners. So thank you very much for coming on the show and uh, sharing with us uh, everything that you know and what you found because you know a lot, and it's great. And we look forward to uh, seeing you again. So uh, we'll see you next week, and uh, thanks for being a
2: part of this, man. Sounds good. My pleasure. Have a great week.
3: All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. What's up?
2: What's
1: up? Are y'all ready to party? Are y'all ready to break it down and go on to the next side? Because after this interview, you're going to be two hours smarter. Two hours smarter.
2: <laughs>
1: Don't forget, join us on Telegram. Love you.
3: Hello, Fire Tribe. Welcome to Horizon from ashes i'm danny knocky dan i'm the
1: homie Romy. hello sir how you doing fantastic nice nice can't complain how are you doing sir i'm also doing fantastic um just it, i just want to share i know i always start with some terrible weather things because it's just well, what i deal with while i'm working outside but it is fantastic here in california i'm going to be 100 honest with you it's like the springtime it is beautiful and i'm when you go outside it you know six o'clock five o'clock The the birds are singing, and it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, But it's also fantastic because today we are going to dive deep into so many interesting things. That's going to tie a lot of um, threads together um, for this month and every month because we're talking about cosmologies, cosmogenies, mythos, um, ancient connections to (laughs) all. All of the cultures, and we love it, and uh, we have a great guest today.
3: Yes, we do. Today, with us from, um, dang it, from Mythos Decoded, Mythos Decoded. Tess Clark. And uh, to give you a little background, I, I was I'm going to read uh, from her website. It says uh, within the last 200 years has been an effort to discredit ancient historians world mythologies and sacred texts the internet is filled with information containing truths mixed with misdirection confusing the readers it takes discernment research and thinking to try to find your truth because mythologies and sacred texts are encoded historic events their meaning has been distorted by philosophers historians scientists and by some members of mystery schools who promote their tribe or ancestors feeling the divide and conquer, and right verse left paradigm. Beautiful. It also goes on to say, The meaning of a myth, the original meaning of the Greek word mythos, was speech, story, discourse, discussion of a subject, a saga, a long-detailed report, or tale a report of events. And 1840, its meaning was arbitrarily changed to untrue story rumor imaginary (laughs) or fictitious object or individual the epics of creation and myths were encoded detailed stories used to reenact past planetary catastrophes during the lifetime of rulers and were performed during annual festivals and used a form of propaganda to assert the power of the ruling tribes and to remind the people they should be obedient faithful servants to their kings or punishment In form of catastrophes would befall them. And I like how she highlighted astro and catastrophes. (laughs) Uh, That was pretty cool. It actually made me think of cats, Tess. Is there anything to (laughs) cats being personified and connecting to catastrophes?
0: Hmm well um the word is astro from aster that's the root yeah, yeah that you can find in all of those so i don't think cat has that has that aster but, right, but you know that in egypt they were were you know they were worshipped because right they probably represented all animals have represented and are still representing the bloodline. so you can see from unicorns hogs wolves dogs um lions eagles double-headed eagles um all the animals basically even dogs have mm-hmm. represented and of course all the egyptians they all have their animal heads but that didn't mean that they were half animal and half humans that it was just their symbol
3: mm. She usually like the the cat though uh, there was sekma i believe and she was a female lioness who was like the goddess of war uh so seems like some type of destruction there and that feminine energy so yeah. i was wondering maybe yeah you're like
0: talking about an
3: astro cat and like an astro cat would have some type of cataclysmic you know <laughs> astrology type and come along with it maybe you're
1: but, gonna have to work on that one for a little bit bud. Making come some back speculation that one's a little <laughs> bit further further down the rabbit hole uh that's beautiful well there is something with uh the spiders on weaving spiders welcome they they have this like inside joke about uh there's like an old cats are highly worshipped in in a lot of ways and i think there is definitely something something to the cats um but that might, might not be Tessa's rabbit hole, but... Uh, or, or Well,
0: actually, yes. Actually, can oh, I say something about the yes. cast? Yes, please. Yes. yes. Okay, so, well, I think what he's talking about is uh, Inanna, the version Or well, Inanna. Uh, my theory is that all of the pantheons around the planet are the same people. And they mm-hmm. were a big family, and then they spread out, they divided the planet, and they said, we own it including everything Mm -hmm. on it and that's why they treat us the way they treat us and they think they're different and one interesting thing is that so they have different names of course and they have different families so they do have different stories and they do change uh the, the way they tell their stories because they wanna be original or they mixed with some other people that were in the area. So they wanted to blend in and or whatever, you know, or just kind of like hybridize the stories. But one thing interesting about the, uh, well, the cats and the RH negative, because I am RH And I know that mm. we are super vulnerable to toxoplasma and toxoplasma or toxoplasmosis is something that cats carry also dogs mm. can have that <laughs> yeah and that can actually that goes to your brain it goes to your brain and it makes you really reckless and it makes you very um take um well do things that are very risky and that you wouldn't do mm. otherwise and it's really interesting
1: interesting uh, yeah can, can i ask you about uh, now that we're talking about we haven't talked about rh negative blood and quite some time on the show uh but it is really interesting because you know i mean just speaking of people's genetic line right like how how genetics get passed down can can point to a lot of uh you know a lot of trails of history right if you follow the bloodline right and um uh, you know you hear often about like these wars between bloodlines or families and bloodlines well You know, you you do some really ancient uh, historical work. And so I'm wondering if you can maybe tell us about your version um, or understanding of the bloodlines themselves and where they split off and maybe some like ongoing war uh, that has happened. And uh, maybe using things like cats and toxoplasmosis to... To have that be like a weapon or something like that is, is you know, because there seems to be like, a, you know, with modern things going on, like, you know, some people talk about in conspiratorial circles, like, you know, hunting down the Rh negative blood to, to see how many are left and to kind of decode the population like that. I'm wondering what your opinion is on that and what you found in your research and associating with the bloodlines
0: well that's really really fascinating subject and one that i've really dwelt and went deep into and you can find this uh explaining detail in the last two chapters of my book mythos and cosmogony so just take your time and read through because i do talk about the family trees and who represents who or what the names are or the equivalents as best as i could and i have to start by saying that these people supplanted each other well especially marduk as you know already he supplanted elil and inurta and actually everyone he he was like the dictator so around the time of hammurabi he that's when he came to rule with the laws of babylon and so then he became to represent um what Ninurta which is the planet Jupiter was being represented before by the ruler because they all always had a, a human ruler well I call it human but it was like a human type a ruler so they were walking the earth and then they had the planet depending on the planet that we were closest to or orbiting and it was causing catastrophes on earth because there was electrical interactions and also um, elements and just a lot of catastrophes happening on the planet that's why they said i am this planet so the people would just be totally petrified scared and believe that these people were omnipotent omnipresent just like what the monotheistic god became to be so people were just totally uh, subservient and obeying these these gods human gods but going back to the um, to the other question, so then sometimes you just have to it's it's it gets well, it gets kind of confusing nowadays when you see somebody, for example, worshiping Saturn, you know, the Blackstone or the anything that has mm-hmm. the name Blackstone or the big bull of Wall Street or or all these symbols that you see, even Tesla. look at Tesla's, I was just looking at his uh, logo and it's it's a ram. I think it's a ram. It's a T. He made it into the horns and it's either a bull or a ram but mm-hmm. then you can just look a little bit further back and then you'll figure it out who who he's i think is it's a bull actually because of who he's supporting mm-hmm. and so you've the got bull- right legends. now the 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 world state right on the left paradigm basically and they're fighting but um and then you can tell one would be the, like the dragon lineage and the other one the bull or the dragon would be also the serpent. And the, well, the reptilians, we can talk about that later. I'll I'll give you my version (laughs) of what it is to, to, according to Mm. what I have found, but going back to the the bloodlines. So you can look at that very detailed lines and where does it go and where did it go, where it started. So the idea is like the blue eye gene just suddenly showed up between five and ten thousand years ago so they give you that range so it's not too long ago only between five thousand years ago that's pretty early and it matches actually the lineages of adam and eve and or when these people arrived according to the sumerians if you count in i i use a new chronology but using the ancient chronology so people have not paid attention to that um i'll go back to that so that's why i said it could be a shorter time than what we mm. are thinking of but the black sea in the black sea or around the black sea this blue eye gene called the oca2 appeared suddenly and we know that all of the gods were shown with blue eyes is that and oca2 oca2 you can look it up it's called the blue eye gene so that's when it that's when it appeared so then you know they say it was a mutation of course that's what the scientists say because they are not going to tell you it was probably aliens or they're not going to say that <laughs> so then that should make you think okay well that that's interesting now the rh negative they also say it, it appeared very long ago but i i don't think so i don't think that it's that long ago but it could it be what the Neanderthals and the denisovan people that's that's what they're called and there's this woman who is a priestess, uh, Tautia, or can't remember her name, and she's from England, and, um, and she tells you she is so negative, and the bloodline is what people used to call the Neanderthals, but the Neanderthals are not what, or they're not what they are telling us that they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't look the way they tell us that they look. They look more like us. Big, but they were also. She 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 has a kind of like a strange uh, theory, which I don't completely agree with. But she says that the Creomagnon were the thin, tall uh, people, and but she also says they were the enemies. And then the, but she kind of like talks about the Enki and the Enlil lines, kind of. But then she does this weird thing with the one would be the Neanderthals, and the other would be like the thin, skinny tall people and the Neanderthals would be stronger stockier shorter that's what she says but what i had found um besides that there is there's a lot of stories like the the people from the basque people and the catalonians know in their history that the grandson uh let's see would be noah yeah i'd be the grandson of noah who is uh this okay so noah had three sons yafeth well shem would be the oldest or the eldest or the firstborn um shem no uh, sorry the would be the youngest shem is the first then ham is the middle one and Yafet is or yafeth is the third one and then the basque know that he went after the flood about 128 years, that's what they say, 128 years after Noah's flood, he went to Tarragona, which is in the Iberic Peninsula and founded that city. And they could have been there before, but he returned and then he was mining it and all of that. And Tubal-Cain is, sorry, the son of Japheth, Tubal-Cain or Tubal-Cain. And so they know that, just like that. It's like they don't even think about it like, oh, it's all made up or it's just all fantasy. And I think that's one of the dangers of people that say all the books are a lie because there is so much Mm -hmm. good information in these ancient books that if you just discard all of them, it's like they're robbing us from the dots that we can put together ourselves because we're not part of a secret society. Yeah,
1: there's certain symbols that are like, and it takes a while. I mean, you know granted that you know you can have an awakening moment or epiphanizal moment you know overnight but a lot of a lot of symbols take take rereading and time and and a lot of research to um to start seeing them but you're absolutely right uh it's fascinating and there, the what else is fascinating too is is the body shape and type that kind of goes down through these you know through the genealogies of of ancestors through time because there's very clearly difference in the genealogical physical attributes of humans. And, you know, obviously we're at a point now where we have a lot of, uh, you know, everybody's kind of mixed with a little bit of, a little bit of short, little bit of tall, a little bit of stout, a little bit of long, that kind of thing. But when you, when you really trace it back, you know, there, there, there was definitely way bigger people bigger 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 and i i'm wondering what uh where along the line the uh do you see in your historical research that we got shorter where, where and when did that happen The switch was it just over time through evolution of just interbreeding um Hybriding. yeah hi, hi, hybrid hybridizing humans or do you think it might have been intentional uh what's up with the the changing of the the body structures and the heights of people
0: yeah this is this is a really great question to ponder in and try to figure out what happened and actually i was thinking i think you asked me about the dna till before answering this one i just wanted to say that Mm -hmm. yes they do they do well they spread themselves through (laughs) they had harems you know they had as many wives they could have the males And then they would try to have the Y, well, there's the Y Y chromosome, which is carried or passed from male to son, male to son only. And the empty DNA passes from mother to daughter. And that's why these people would intermarry and they would marry their sisters. And mothers would have sex with their sons or fathers with their daughter. It's really sick, but that's what they would do to keep that empty DNA. And that y chromosome in the family but then when there was time of catastrophes they also wanted to have as many children as possible so they would survive on the other side of the catastrophes and they would continue to rule but then because of that then their bloodlines got sort of spread out and that's why there are some of us like i'm not pure uh royalty but i do have that um that the, the negative blood that was because of they, you know of their spreading out and hybridizing and then obviously they target each other and they have these laws to stay in the within tribes not because they were racist per se of course they're you know you could say racist or not but it's because they wanted to keep this y chromosome and mtdnas in one family and and kind of it's just because that's that's what they were told that they that was important and they were making pacts or um, yes some kind of agreements with these lines lineages of their ancestors so they would sacrifice themselves basically that's why they would marry people that they didn't want to marry but of course and they had their lovers and their other life and so it didn't really matter but it was like agreements and of course people giving their dna now and all these uh Hmm. diseases that sometimes are targeting certain people, it could be a combination of natural, natural uh, diseases, because we all have different antigens, which means that our body can produce different um, uh, antibodies, basically, to different diseases. And in historic times, some people would die, some groups of people, either races by race or by age, or animals would get affected by certain diseases coming from the tails of comets or during the time of the approaches of big planets. And uh, so that's quite interesting. But then going back to, and then green eyes, green eyes, blonde, red hair, red hair is all from these people as well. That's the the kind of the theory and what it shows in the, if you look at all the ancient paintings of of the gods, they were mostly blonde, redheaded, or dark burgundy you know color the hair and green dyes or blue-eyed and then going back to um, the other oh yeah the shrinking so this is kind of complicated <laughs> if you don't know anything about the history of the solar system so, I'll try to now be really quick because I made it really long in my last uh, interview, and I was like, darn it, I should have just made it really short. Okay, so I'm gonna say it um, really short. So, the idea is that the Sun and Jupiter were a binary star system, and the Earth was possibly orbiting Uranus or one of the other gas giants now in the solar system, which include Neptune, Saturn or Uranus, and they were coming in, in towards the solar system. They were captured by the sun and Jupiter, and then they started going Nova. And then as, as it happens with capture of rogue planets in entering the solar system seen as comets, then earth started behaving her, like a comet and also Venus, Mars, and Mercury, which are now the, called the inner solar system planets when they were going past saturn that's when noah's flood happened and the the plasma sheath of these red dwarfs because they were not stars like our sun they were red or brown or brown dwarf stars that's what was called the time of the garden of eden the time of the shekinah that Uh, Adam used to bask and his family used to bask under and people wouldn't get sick and everyone was giant and there was dinosaurs and or really really big giant gigantic life including humans. All humans were giant and these people could have been even taller. So that's what it sounds like that they were even taller. And then with the catastrophes um, coming into the solar system. The brown dwarfs went, um, kind of like went uh, into a kind of nova state, which means they were flaring because there was too much electricity that they were interacting with. In the, I also studied the electric universe and the plasma universe, and and then all these catastrophes made the atmosphere changed, and that was the purple dawn also, or the time of, uh, yes, what would you call it? Uh, the golden age. The golden age so then the plasma sheath goes away there's no more infrared light which before kept us in a much healthier state um, and growing if you put actually now people that grow plants and cannabis use red lights red, red infrared and they also you can also use other lights but these ones make the plants grow very fast because of the same reason there's just very healing and it just kind of makes things grow and so when we came out from this sheath uh, we could see the stars for the first time that's when adam went well he saw night for the first time in the text and he was afraid he could see the moon people started worshiping the moon because of him and then um people started shrinking. and But it was, it took a while actually. So imagine we are, like I said, we are traveling through the solar system. And y- as you know, there's like a, an order of planets. So first, if we were in Uranus, then we we came to be close to Saturn and they were all flaring by the way at the same time or very close to one another. And then we passed by Jupiter. We were temporarily captured by Jupiter and um, the pythagoreans show two models well one model where we were tidally locked to jupiter which is really interesting around 500 and uh well 500 bc pythagoras show the earth like the comet and that's the geocentric solar uh, model and then the next pythagorean astronomer called philolaus shows the earth orbiting jupiter And that's the time of Marduk and the thunderbolts of Thor and the trident of Poseidon. And um, in the rabbinical sources, it says that, and I suggest people read them because they are like so incredibly full of information. Um, Genesis has like 1% of what you can read in the, it's called The Legends of the Jews by Ginsberg and you can find all of these in my links in my PDF, all of the sources are there. And in there, it says that up until that time, the pair well, the fathers and the sons and mothers and the daughters couldn't be differentiated. You d- You wouldn't know which one was which because they wouldn't age, people wouldn't age. Mm. But at that time, people lost the ability to stop aging so people started aging so that was around the time of abraham and um, his uh, his son um well i can't remember his name right now it's not isaac or whatever but that at the time of abraham that's when the jupiter events happened but it was like on like ongoing since the like i said so first uranus then jupiter sorry saturn and then jupiter and also they started shrinking in size but what happened as well on the planet that is described in the text is that there was so much less oxygen in the atmosphere so the earth lost a lot of oxygen and uh, the atmosphere changed the conditions changed and people people's eyes used to be larger so if you pay attention to the old sumerian statues statuettes you see all these big giant eyes and we're like why are the eyes so big and that's why people still like big eyes (laughs) that's why the big eyes is such a big deal and you know women are always making their eyes look like ridiculously large it's because it comes from this era and these people probably had larger eyes and the eyes were bigger and larger because it was darker we didn't have such a strong light and harsh environment like we do now it's really hard for our body and the body of people change the skin used to be they called it horny (laughs) so it was like i guess like a kind of tough and i don't know what that means but it was different um
1: i'm wondering about the um the oh, I'm, I'm trying to i'm lacking a, a really good word for this but like the clairvoyant properties of these people or um what what do you believe
3: Telepathic.
1: yeah like the just the powers that and the abilities that um living under the other sun the original saturnian sun during this time um you know and, and if they can go into like explaining some of how the pyramids were built Um, because you know we know now that we do have small magnetite clusters in our brain which help us (laughs) with so much of consciousness and um, the the magnet the magnetism of earth and the magnets in our brain, you know, corresponding together, obviously. Um, but I'm wondering what the, the difference was with the amount of plasma coming through the different size of bodies. Giants must've had more magnetism, uh, or magnetite clusters like in their brain potentially, or if like the bigger eyes helped with some sort of like special abilities, um, that we might, be lacking now, um, like some sort of psychic abilities or telekinesis, potential um, You know, use of other metals and like metallurgy and, and crystals and things like that?
0: Yeah, well, what I know about this is that when we were in the infrared light of the red or brown dwarf stars, which could have been including Saturn, um, uranus and jupiter also for a little while is that the probably because we could see so the eyes could see a different um length wavelength that we don't see anymore for example right uh-huh. now they have there the, they have the the lucifer infrared telescopes looking for brown dwarfs and comets and planets that are shrouded in this darkness so the only way to see them is with an infrared telescope so i imagine that because we were in that type of light and um that we could perceive the aura of people and we could and animals so that was a way of communicating now what i know is that during the time of adam he actually well it says that he invented 70 languages so by the time of adam which he lived for a little while maybe i don't know decades or maybe hundreds of years in this state of the infrared under the infrared light they were still using languages so that tells you that they were not totally telepathic and that during the time of Thoth, which is um, Hermes, which could have been around the same time, he perfected, they say that he perfected languages. Diodorus Siculus talks about him in length and uh, by creating, well, created music. uh, What what does
1: it mean to to perfect a language? Like, what does that mean to you? Um, Because, I mean, what is a perfected language?
0: well you can you can make it more uh, complicated maybe there were less words that people used. see the, the other thing that is really um important to understand is that people were before they, they got rounded up into cities and made well civilized <laughs> which is what we do now so everything we do it's very similar everything that we do basically comes from these people and it's not that old so everything everything the good and the bad it's from them like makeup everything metallurgy the cities uh prostitution um everything everything um so before people were just living by themselves then they called them savages they were just minding their own business so we don't know what kind of language they had. Maybe it's just like when you go to the forest now, to the rainforest, or you find some some natives living here and there, they have their own language, right? So then they have to be taught these other languages so they could be understood and follow orders, <laughs> basically. So I imagine that's what that refers to. And and Diodorus also says that Osiris went with an army around the world, left Thoth, in charge to to help isis his wife and his sister while he went with an army around the world well he went to different places not all over the world and he conquered these places and he rounded up people and you know just make them kind of like just enslave them and the uh, technologies yes well they were talking they were asking about the technologies they must have had Gravity should have been, if there is such a thing as gravity, because some people say that gravity is just a very weak electromagnetism, which makes sense. It's like mm-hmm. a magnet, and you were talking about that. So then that would, be, that would mean that you could lift things easier, and that's why they have these megalithic, gigantic blocks. And the ones in Russia, in, in Goraya Chornia, I think that's the name, they're even larger than the ones that you can find in Baalbek and the ones that you can f- find oh, in, wow. uh, in uh, what is it, uh, Bolivia, in Tiwanaku, or, yes, you know, those giant ones. They're even larger. They look like mountains, some of these places, and they're man-made or they've been, like, moved by mankind because they definitely have perfectly rectangular cots. Some of them can be natural, yes. But, so, there was something that these people... Uh, with the, probably because of the, the whole, well, well, if we were not where we are now.
1: Who, who was the character, was it Dolph? Did you say? Thoth. Oh, Thoth. Who, okay. I
0: yeah. Heard. Thoth. Yes. Hermes. I same I Hermes. Heard Dolph. Is that um, the one we were talking about? Yes. He, yes. he's the yes. one also that went around and was building all the, the stone calendars. And they were calendars in it to be or in order to be able to tell time and the entrance of the equinoxes, and they use a, the Sothic uh, cycle, which is the heliacal rising of Sirius. Well, because these would be because probably were connected to the same plasma filament, and so it doesn't move; it kind of follows Earth, and that's why they were using it just like the pleiades so that means that we are also connected to the pleiades along the same plasma filament and that's why we they were used to navigate but there was um yes i mean we just don't know for sure because we don't see it there's some theories of people talking about giant lenses and melting melting the stone and then creating sort of like concrete what we do as concrete Mm -hmm. So that's another way that they could have built many, many things. But because we see partially caught out of the bedrock, some of these blocks, then they were definitely cutting them because they are like partially caught. So how can anyone say, no, it wasn't caught? So well, that, that?
1: Yeah, that's the thing that a lot of people kind of overlook when you're talking about building of the pyramids is these stones are huge and they're big. Yes, and how did they move them? But wait, hold on. Let's go back a little bit. How did they make them? What? Let us look at the constituents and exactly what type of like, you know, t- uh, uh, material they were using. It is Is it cut or is it poured into a frame? Um, and if that's the case, you know, building it step by step, you wouldn't even need to to uh, move them. You could build them all in one succession as you pour the layers on. Um, you know, that, but uh, that's, you know, one, one thing, but if you're mixing cement and you have the ability to, um, make, you know, small particulates of the, um, of the rock, well, you said making lenses to melt things that, the, the the finding and the discovery of like volcanic glass around Egypt is very prominent. There's a lot of ancient um, volcanic glass the around desert. there, yeah, in the desert, right? And so that's really interesting point. Like I hadn't even uh, thought about big like projection lasers through lenses, uh, ancient lenses. Uh, I mean, we know about the potential of that um, the Egyptian light bulb.
0: yes definitely well what i know is that you have to compare everything to what we do now and what is it that we do i think we do all kinds of things right so we do car <laughs> yeah so basically it's what we do just take it back and they might have different technologies because again we were there was way much electricity in the atmosphere way way more so it was easier maybe for them to do all these. so yes they were machines they had high-tech they were carving they were pouring they were doing laser they were i mean you've seen the amazing hindu um buildings that you can make music or you can well if you if you hit them the wall it's hollow and Mm then so intricate shapes. And you're like, how did they do that? And you can like pass a hair through the back of it. So they were doing all kinds of technologies and all kinds of things and experiments. And but also remember that there was a lot of electrical discharges, which are like giant thunderbolts that were coming Mm. in planet and from the planet. So the earth was also doing like arcs of bolts from one to another, just like anodes and cathodes, which is a circuitry of Earth, supposed to be the same as the sun and all the other planets and Jupiter. So that was totally like burning, melting, turning things into, well, sun into glass. It had radiation. There was every time there is a connection to a planet and possibly now, you know, they're talking about, I wanted to mention this because a friend mentioned it. She's really worried. <laughs> She's in Europe and they're talking about the, the nuclear reactor in um, Ukraine, that it might get, you know, um, blown up and it's almost, uh, almost at the brink of disaster. And if it gets blown up, then all of Europe is going to be filled with radiation. And so I was telling her, well, it's really interesting. They're talking about this now because it could be two things that we are connecting to the tails of maybe k2 or mars because we also connect to planets and if those planets are interacting with another comet then there is like triple electricity and electrical connection and that's what the ancients call the yugas or niburu Mm -hmm. niburu means crossing crossing of electrical currents of earth with other planets so that's what i found about niburu it could mean it could mean mean jupiter mars well they actually it's not me saying it the chaldeans are saying this that he was referred to as these planets and um so you can see it in my in my book you can just do a, a brow uh, browse for the word nibiru or nibiru and you'll see it there but so what's going on is that all these bo- ha, well Thunderbolts have radiation and they also do or cause mutations called the Ebner effect. And this is done in the laboratory where you put an electrical current, for example, to um, larvae or different, different things that are alive and they will mutate, they will become something else or they will, yeah, they will change to a different type of animal or creature or they will just mutate and get messed up or yes just change so with all these electrical interactions all life on the planet was changing and mutating and that's why probably you had the giants with six fingers and two rows of teeth or i don't know about the elongated skulls that seems to have been coming from another planet because not everyone had this situation you know if everyone just changed suddenly maybe you could say yes it was a a mutation that happened to the whole planet but it didn't it only happened to a certain group of people so that's very strange and velikovsky actually he talked about the elongated skulls which are called dolichocephalic people and he said that they were the semites the descendants from shem which is very strange and then he talks about the people that didn't have this um and he talks about this in his books uh on the unpublished work in uh, thearchive.org. archive.org know, i think it's the peoples of the sea or something like that so yeah he even talked about it so it's quite interesting
3: Hmm. that is interesting um yeah earlier you said shim ham and japeth isn't shim the middle the middle child i thought that's why he was uh that's the line that rules or is supposed to take over uh society or how the
0: firstborn yeah, is then. always the the mo well that's how they it's not i'm saying that it's the most important because it's silly but that's the way that they have followed their laws of um who becomes the the king or the ruler it's some mm-hmm. Son, well, the priority was the father that married his half sister or his sister because of the empty dna that I was mm-hmm. mentioning, and then the firstborn, and that's why the whole um, fighting between Enki and Enlil or Ia and Elil started because Enki was the firstborn, but Elil was born to the same father. But to the half sister of the father, where Enki, his his mom wasn't the sister, so the mtDNA wasn't there. You see, so that's why the whole thing, and it it just has been the same exact same thing with their children. It has not changed, and then they have the, well, that's what happened with um, let's see the guy that sold he, the blessing the blessing in the story which is the one you're talking about well that's the sons of what is it abraham i mean i haven't read this in a while but um it's all in there um allegedly the, well the blessing it's all the knowledge as far as i know that's what they call the blessing in the rabbinical sources or the hebrew bible it just was all the knowledge and he gave it to his brother in exchange for a bowl of lentils do you remember this story? from the testament which sounds really silly what he happened is that, yes thank you exactly so there was there was catastrophes there was famine and that's why he sold or he sold he exchanged the he was probably half dead yes. you know just half dead and then he said sure just take it i'll give it to you just don't help me don't let me die and that's what happened and then they always were angry at each other it's like how dare you how could you do that and they always fight they've always been killing each other and it's just been the same story repeating over and over and and a lot
3: of the biblical stories it's usually the the first son is supposed to be king and then it's usually the second son that ends up as king because something happens to the first one and it kind of plays out the whole sumerian mythology also
0: Exactly. And um, I I heard one of your guests, or you were talking about the people living nowadays, if they were clones. Well, they don't Uh really have to be clones. They are just their descendants. They're their descendants. Because they were here, they were, like I said, mixing with so many people. I mean, it's ridiculous with the amount of people that they were, um, for example, just to give you a little example, uh, and I have this on my playlist saved in my YouTube uh, channel in, under History by Others. There is a, a documentary about um, Ankor Wat, a living God, and I also talk about, give examples of people that, rulers that said, I am God, I am the living God. And so they've considered themselves gods, and it's very simple, they just say, I am God, and and God just means, comes from the word Zeus, Dios, Deus pater, that God turned into God. But if you, if you speak Spanish or Italian or Latin, Deus, Dios, Zeus, that's much more close to the word God in English. But in 1700s AD, this guy who was of the bloodlines, of course, was in Angkor, Angkor Wat. He was ruling. And guess what? He was allowed to have sex with all the women in the in the city. They were all like his. So imagine how many mm. children he had if he was doing this, if that was his way. His, mm. uh, <laughs> just one example. It's just one example. So there's a lot of people that came to be from those lines and then they were killing each other as well because then they would say no i am the i am the one i want to rule and that's what happened all the time during you know probably up to now so these people are still alive These, um i don't know if the full-blown uh like full like the original bloodlines could be why not i mean if they keep having children think about it why would they die out? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. They may be shrunk. We're all shorter. I mean, look at the queen of England, she's tiny and she's of the bloodline. She's not a giant. She doesn't have to be because the conditions on the planet are really, really tough. They're really tough on our bodies. That's why we always you know, get sick and besides all the crap mm-hmm. that they throw at us. But um, so We're- all the powerful people, all the famous people, are of the bloodlines and all the politicians <laughs> <laughs> every single one of them they wouldn't be allowed to be there and they hate each other and they fight so you have to believe that's true because some people say it's <sighs> a show, it's not a show yeah they fight they have fought they have killed each other and we're just in the middle we're the pawns in the middle
3: yeah we were talking about uh these caucasians with blue eyes green eyes red hair blonde hair where where do you think they came from if the blue eyes came in around five to ten thousand bc where where they have came from
0: well there is circumstantial evidence of course we can never go and say for sure what where from so there are different groups of people around the world tell you different stories some of them say they came from orion right the dogon tell you that they came from can't remember uh there's a you, you'll so remember yes exactly the mayans say that their ancestors which means they're i'm talking about the high priests so they're not the regular people they're the high priest they're they call them their grandparents but it's these people they came from the pleiades the pleiades now sometimes i was thinking are they talking about that they came from the people that were represented by these because that's what they used to do they used to put all their names on the stars and the planets the constellations um when they were living and when they died they became to represent the immortal planets and the constellations that's what they told Mm
3: -hmm. people so
0: yeah for a while i thought well maybe they're referring to the people so they're descendants from the humanoid type of the rh negative blue-eyed blonde people so but then this is the interesting thing the interesting thing is that when the spaniards went to for example mexico when they arrived the people there asked them if they had come down from the sky now why would Mm -hmm. they say did you come down from heaven or from the sky they didn't say you came across the ocean They said, are you the gods that come down from the sky? So then that makes you wonder, makes you wonder. And the other thing that I think is the circumstantial evidence is the blue eyes appearing suddenly, all the the written text suddenly appearing. There's no written text before this time. There isn't, there isn't. It all starts around 6,000 years ago that's where we can find there isn't anything before now it doesn't mean that they were not here before maybe they were here before but there were so many catastrophes that probably everything got destroyed the earth would turn upside down mountains would form just overnight so imagine all the stuff that got destroyed and obliterated and it ended up under the ocean or with the floods it's underwater so what we can see is not very old, just because of the cataclysmic events and how, just look at a flood, just look at a little flood, what it does, the destruction that it does nowadays. Mm-hmm. So imagine this in a bigger yeah. scale. It just, just obliterates everything. And that's why Tepe Globe- is buried and the, the Sphinx in Egypt, the pyramids are buried and Mesopotamia got buried. And it's because the water has a tremendous power and the earthquakes and volcanic volcanic eruptions, volcanoes coming up, moving the ground, sinking, all all the stuff was changing, the whole face of the earth was changing so fast. So when people say, Oh, this is a hundreds of million years old, it just couldn't be if you know, the catastrophes and if you read the records and what people tell you what happened, what they saw changing in their lifetime how much things change so that's that's what i that's what i can see from the text and i don't know did i answer your question about the the oh yeah yeah. i think that probably came from somewhere now velikovsky Velikovsky, yes this is really cool
1: saturn reigns please the red
0: talks about the elohim and a lot of people get mad because they think that when you say this you're saying that they're satanic and not at all people don't know what's going (laughs) on this is only the people at the top and he says el means saturn so elohim and he says probably means that they came from saturn now they were not living in saturn but they were probably orbiting saturn and so people talk about ganymede being just like earth very very close and all those little moons actually they are kind of big some of them they all have water and they all have life even even scientists are acknowledging that they have oceans that are not frozen below this layer of ice and there's life in there they've
1: they've been talking about getting the water off of one of these moons if i'm not mistaken right like nasa was saying something about that recently
0: yes yes they are yeah they're talking about all this stuff being and all the planets now and they little by little are kind of telling you things but so it's really interesting that that mentioned that about saturn and he knew a lot of the rabbinical sources because his father was a rabbi so he got access to all of those good texts that no one is allowed to read (laughs) except the rabbis and so that should Uh, tell you something
3: yeah you said that maybe they didn't actually come from these planetary systems, but they were represented by it. Where, where is the Pleiades at in the sky? Is it in well, the northern sky? That's,
0: chance? that chance? Um, well, that would be in the north, I guess, in the north, well, in the north, like towards the sun, towards the sun, towards the head of the sun. So you have the tail of the sun, and then the gas giants are back there, and the southern hemisphere of, the southern hemisphere of Earth is pointing more towards the tail of the, of the sun and that's why you can see all these comets coming in from the southern hemisphere. And oh, from okay. the northern part, the sun, see the sun has an orbit around the Alcyon star, which is called the Great Central Sun, or the Central oh. Sun. And then the Pleiades. So we are part of the Pleiades. We are part of the Seven Sisters. So we belong to a bigger solar system that is the pleiades and that's why the mayans also and many other cultures talk about the pleiades as being really important to them they were very very important so that's probably why and so some people say Sirius. Sirius w- would be the the dog star because it follows the sun or the solar system so it's behind in this plasma filament so imagine we're moving we're kind of uh, in a vortex movement everything is like a vortex like a cone and the galaxy is moving as well just like the sun like a vortex tails we are in the tails of the galaxy in the galactic arms and we are moving towards the center or around behind the the great great so uh, central star which the mayans call Hunab that's what they said and they said when the star can we Set. dig into
1: that a little bit, too? Uh, a little bit more onto that tale of the of that interesting name. And I, yeah, the Mayan story on that would be awesome.
0: Yes. Well, Hunapku was a place where the God or this consciousness type of energy, what you would call God, I guess, was residing. Uh. And he would emit... Um, kind of flares it would also flare and they would say it was waves of electricity or, or energy that would of course move through all the tails which are all connected plasma filaments and reach all the stars and all the planets and they would say that would cause change and it would just re kind of remake and change all of the stars on the planets including earth
3: wow i'm ob- is that like the center of the universe cuz it sounds like Kolob.
0: No that would be the center of our galaxy the galactic core
3: Yeah that's what Kolob is right Probably maybe <laughs> I don't
0: But sounds like this
3: I think that's the, that uh, from the mormons
0: Yes yes yeah. uh, that's probably what it is and I mean this knowledge is, so is, is that
3: remember. the same as the is that the same as the Mayan one then? Or is it different?
0: Well, I imagine that it would be the same if they're talking about this, oh, yeah. uh, this energy, because all of this information is from the yeah. same people, with a little different, okay. um, different and all the spells, all the spells and all of this kind of magic, magic was science, but all the spells come from the line of the mm-hmm. Enki, and the dragon lineage. So they're uh, the who the specialist in that kind of
1: thing i was getting some visualizations when you were talking about the uh the energy flowing flowing through and thinking about a time when uh earth's atmosphere itself might have been bigger and there was more uh energy during the golden age period and yeah we have these sacred sites around the earth you know scattered throughout that are on these dragon lines or ley lines that are have been like noted to the veins of the earth you know um things like that and then um you know these sacred sites being on them places with more electromagnetic uh power frequency or radiation whatever you want to call it and i was just kind of like thinking if you know there was like a cult of following the god and the god being this like higher plasma and energy to follow the plasma if there was a time when there was these storms happening um through this different cosmolo- cosmological changes and then like you know because you hear a lot of these old stories in the saturnian cosmological mythos and uh it's a lot more comets a lot more lightning and a lot more just you know abrupt changes happening because everything was just kind of like i guess I don't I don't really know uh, if it was just a younger galaxy that's just forming to be like in its next stage or what have you but the <laughs> Existers living on earth experiencing these cosmological changes. I'm wondering if they were like following around this plasma energy around the earth to these sacred sites because you see these things, some people call them markers, you know, marking these electromagnetic hotspots, you know, putting up an obelisk or building a tower or a structure to, to mark it. And I'm like, well, you know. This connection to talk to God happens at this higher vibratorial rate, you know. So I think that ties back. I don't know what the the big question here is, but uh, actually I do got one. I do got one here. Here is it. Uh, in one of your videos, one of your awesome, amazing videos that you have a plenty of on your YouTube channel, um, you said something about the obelisk. Um, the obelisk. Being used as tools for resonance and sound frequency. Uh, and I was wondering if you wanted to elaborate a little bit more on that.
0: Actually, the obelisks, as far as I know, um, were to were used to measure the movement of the stars, the planets and and the moon, maybe. So they were used as calendars. and mostly, but of course they're high so when they're high i mean their towers the very high towers were always used as observation for observation including the tower of babel it was an observatory mm-hmm. it was, that's what it was and it was built by Terra, the father of abraham to observe jupiter for example so people don't know that but um so that was one of the uses of that now tall a lot of the tall buildings like all the towers in europe and florence and all these towers that you see they're just very very tall they were again used for for well to survive floods if you know if they had to but they were also the best observatories Mm. and the pyramids were used to harness power like you were saying and the water sometimes you can build a pyramid and it actually will attract water to it some people Ah. have built pyramids to pull water into them because of the shape so there is this um this resonance and then this special this special i guess biogeometry you can call it biogeometry that yes attracts electricity and water is a conductor of electricity so that's why all the pyramids have water underneath underground but you can also attract it to it so i guess that could be one of the things you're talking about uh that you that you saw i can't recall exactly right now uh, about the um these um this like obelisks being used for that precise reason but they were always like telling you the stories everything that you see carved unfortunately no one ever tells you what it says but just like all the stone carvings all around the world they and the maps and everything they all have a story that explains what is going on <laughs> what is it they're, they're telling you they tell you the story of either a catastrophe or linked to a, a ruler or and catastrophes were so important they had to write them down because things were changing so fast and people needed to survive so if you didn't survive nothing else is important what else does it matter if you can't survive so survival was the, the biggest preoccupation And what these people spend most of their time trying to do, either writing the stories also for their genealogy, so they could prove that they were descendants from these people, so they could rule, (laughs) keep ruling in the future or where they came from and all of that and how to prove it, or also to preserve the stories of the cataclysmic events and to tell, to be able to tell in the future what it would look like. to know the signs and also to have of course the records of what happened so they would know and just because they wanted to know i mean you would want to know your your history right and it's really it's really um helpful if you know what to look for you can extrapolate what would happen and they had also the scientific knowledge i think the mies that you were asking about what the mies were they were all the scientific knowledge just imagine it's like it's like us it's like now it's like now so what is the most important to people in power science and all the technology because if they have the science and the technology they can control everyone so it's the same thing before and the knowledge they don't tell us anything about Mm -hmm. what happened in history and what is to come because they well now we don't believe the way we believed before so we're a little bit more advanced in a way kind of we are very deceived but we are more advanced so they have to do it differently. They don't use the same tricks that way, but still we're never told anything real about science because then people will know mm-hmm. their, you know, the control mechanisms, which is what they're and I don't have to mention it, but you know what they're using now, <laughs> fear and fear, fear of these and fear of that and the storms and you know, the storms and Uh, what's going to change. If you don't do this, you have to do that. So then we're going to have to take control and tell you what to do because we need to survive. So that's why they're doing it right now. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I was just going to go back very quickly to your question where these people might have come from. Well, there are theories that they came from probably Mars because Marduk mm. and Semhassai and the Gigi's, I mean, it's very, very clear that they came down and they arrived in Mount Hermon and in Baalbek. It just tells you it's very close to, to the same place. It's not exactly the same spot, but it could be talking about the same place. They tell you that they landed there. So landing, where are they gonna land from if <laughs> it's up in a the mountain? They have to have come from somewhere else. And then there's this story. And, Maybe telltale signs that there were some amazing pyramids and other buildings in Mars which had an atmosphere and water until very recently, maybe 3,000 years ago, as just recent as 3,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago. And there's that story of Enoch talking about the AGG's coming or actually the, the fallen angels, Enoch talks about the fallen angels and they were around 200 they even give you a number two or three hundred so it's possible that they had maybe they brought a race of people from there and maybe that's the b uh or the a blood la- blood types i don't know could be or maybe it's just the o again o negative and then they mixed with the they brought people from somewhere else also humans from somewhere else However they could travel I don't know exactly what kind of technologies but they use a lot of stone and natural technologies and they yes they did use metals Magnets. and gold yeah gold So what it,
3: what yeah. about Atlantis then
0: Well Atlantis actually also didn't sink so long ago like 12,000 years always they like to say 12,000 years everyone because they tell you that there was a landmass of ice or Yes, but the ice sheet was just growing down from the poles and it came down as far as where they tell us that, that the ice was and then it melted. But they had to tell us that story because they can't tell us that ice sheets just started being formed as recently as 6,000 years ago because inside of the red dwarf plasma sheet ice cannot form. And this is told by scientists also, people that study brown mm-hmm. dwarfs. Physicists, astrophysicists—they tell you that just couldn't happen. So they're very recent, number one, and they actually have moved. There has not been a one time, one giant piece of ice like they're telling us. It is just the, the depending on how the Earth axis has been moving because it's moving. It has moved many, many times. In the Dendera zodiac, there's a. They—they're telling you they're basically that that calendar zodiac tells you that the earth passed through cancer and leo back and forth during the time of thoth or hermes sorry during the time of horus horus um no 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 no. during the time of horus there was a time of cancer so they could see the cancer constellation during the time of horus but then during the time of Thoth, which was just a little bit Let's see, before there was five actual tilts or geographic pole shifts where, because earth was moving like a comet, that would make sense, where the sun rose from the east to west, back and forth, east and west, five times, entering the age of Leo, going back and forth from Leo to, to Cancer, back to Leo, back to Cancer. So, and then it went back to Leo. And you were like, well, what, (laughs) how is that possible? Well, it would be because earth was just being like thrown all over the place and interacting with all these planets. So it was moving like a lot. It was just very crazy, totally insane. And, um, Like a top. Yes. Basically. (laughs)
3: Like a Merkabah.
0: Yeah. It was like probably, wow.
1: You know, you know who loves ice? flat earthers
0: <laughs> oh boy yes yes probably well that's
1: they love it they're like we're definitely surrounded by uh, ice. eyes yeah don't even
0: huddled. get me started well i found these articles really good from the, the convergence place and they tell you it's all a cia concocted thing of course and uh, just to discredit everything and it makes it is discrediting everything just to discredit anything that doesn't fit the status quo just throw it into the And to the bag of crazies. And um, that's why it was created, (laughs) basically, sadly. But, um, and they have a lot of money behind it. That's why people are like so impressed by all the wow, the videos and all this amazing stuff and all the information. And yeah, but, anyways, that's, uh, yeah, that's a very sad story. It's very sad, very sad. But anything to just keep us really confused very confused and going down the wrong rabbit holes and then fighting amongst each other and people saying you're an idiot because you believe in that and then the other saying no you're an idiot because you don't (laughs) and then we just get stuck fighting about stupid things that are not even important that's my my what i see happening and it happens in every single subject that we touch upon it's like divide the people just keep them fighting amongst themselves don't let them pay attention to what's causing the real problems like maybe the whole system around the planet
3: so do you think atlantis was a place though
0: oh yes yes atlantis definitely atlantis sank. well it was part of egypt part of definitely yeah, yeah, it was including Egypt. Diodorus Siculus talks about Atlantis be- besides, I have all this in my book, you might want to read that part because it's really very cool and uh, it has mm-hmm. so much description. So I talk about Plato, I include Plato's description of Atlantis and then Diodorus, but Diodorus is like 10 times more detail and much more interesting than the Plato story. Plato's was much shorter and much smaller. It's very important too. But basically, Diodorus tells you that, um, well, or what I have found, and you have to look again at the symbols, who were the gods ruling and going. The time of Plato tells you that Timaeus was a god, or sorry, not a god, was a ruler, and King Dardanus was a king ruling during the time of the sinking of Atlantis. So you can go and look at Dardanus and follow his genealogical tree and realized that Dardanus lived around 1500 BC, because his son, or even later than that, maybe 1200 BC, because his son, Troyas, founded Troy, and Troy is not very old. So they left, they left the Black Sea, they were somewhere in the Black Sea across the Dardanelles straits. And that's when the ocean got filled up in the Black Sea, it was much lower. And the Bronze Age. A Bronze Age settlement was right there, filled up in that ocean. They found it in the Black Sea. Um, and then I, there's a whole documentary. I made a video about it too. It's very cool, where the scientists are studying and the Russian scientists are telling you all these. And, and basically, they acknowledge that the scientists know that Atlantis and the last ice, uh, last ice age was around 3,000 years ago or 3,500 years ago. But they keep repeating, or we hear 12,000 and 12,000. That's all we hear. So there could have been all these big animals, like basically the Ice Age animals, because they found mammoth, mammoth bones being used by these people at the bottom of the ocean, in the Black Sea, and Mm. they were using them for tools. So that means that the mammoths were alive. They were alive at that time so at the end of the bronze age when did the bronze age end around 1500 bc or 1000 bc or somewhere 1200 bc that's really recent and um atlantis was well it had a main hub and it was king atlas and atlas was a descendant of um probably Ia or Well, he calls it Oranos, uh, Diodorus. He he gives them different names. And he talked to the high priest of the Greeks and that's the stories that they gave him. So he wrote them down in 60 BC and he has a lot of good information. And yeah, some things are changed because during the time of the reign of the new kings, they would change the stories, just like Marduk changed the story of the Enuma Elish, which is the story of uh, creation. He put himself in there as a creator god instead of Elil and Inurta and Anu. He just like erased them or the Hittite gods. He just erased them and he put himself in there. So that Mm. that would happen and you just have to know that You have to be aware of that and just have to try to put all the links together and the dots together and weed out the, the stuff where they're changing themselves or be aware that some people are changing themselves like Marduk, especially Marduk he messed up all the stories made it much more difficult to to know who is who because they used the name jupiter Ammon, for example and the rams he had the rams uh horns but atlantis was part of the straits of um well roads in that area of uh, the mediterranean and there was an island that sunk but also all of the coastlines were flooded and uh, in India, the city of Dwarka, of Krishna, was part of Atlantis because they were the bloodlines of the, of the dragon lineage and that was, they tell you they found it, the, the scientists found it in India and it's right off the coastline and it was a city of Krishna. And the Kali Yuga began in 1500 BC, so that was also part of Atlantis. So Atlantis sunk very recently, but it's very confusing because they always tell us the wrong dating and everyone else in the alternative media repeats this 12,000 years because they don't know any different and they don't know the chronologies and they don't know all, all this other information. So it's kind of easy just to say 12,000 years ago and everybody keeps repeating that, but it could have sunk as late as 3,500 years ago. And it also sunk in stages because Atlantis, Imagine all the Baalbek and the pyramids being part of that technology. So that was kind of the architecture and technology that you could see. So that's basically what it is. What we see mm. above water and sometimes underwater, the photos of like um, the place in, in Japan. Uh, Yanaguni. You know, yes, Yanaguni, And all the sunken in the Azores, there's some sunken pyramids in off of the coast of Florida, you know, they have those pyramids right there. And all. Road. yes, exactly. Yeah. Off the coast of uh, California close to you guys, not too far. You know, they have also mm-hmm. a lot of interesting stuff right there. So the coastlines were part of Atlantis because he was given the oceans, the islands and the coastlines. That was kind of his, his um, territory not inland and not high up in the mountains like Baalbek and other places but it also reached china um and um all the yes all the the place i was talking about um malaysia so it's basically
3: like you think that atlantis was like all the island chains that were around in the and the yes, ocean and the
0: coastlines. yes and the coastline so all um, all of these beautiful temples in thailand and all of i mean you could see the symbols of of dragons right so wherever you see symbols of dragons the buddhist and that was part of atlantis because that's that was kind of like the they had kind of kind of like divided the the world into groups and they had their colonies so they would go around they ha- just like the empires think of the british empire same thing so you could say they had the main island which is england and then they had their empires in australia south africa new zealand canada or united states so think about the same way it's like it's all extrapolates to the way we do things now
3: yeah we have a uh, catalina island out here and that well it's said that there used to be giants there on Catalina Island,
0: yes, definitely, yes, the Viera brothers, you probably know about them. They talk about these, and um, the giants were in mostly in pyramids and mounds found in mounds, and that was the royalty, and they survived as late. well, there were giants, you know, as late as the fifteen hundreds or when the time of the Spaniards. They also recorded when they were going around the Tierra del Fuego, which is um, Chile. Uh, Antarctica. California. Mm-hmm. They were a lot of giants there, and it's funny enough, there's still a lot of people there that have the six rows of teeth, and uh, I'm sorry, the six fingers and two rows of teeth. They still have that mm. gene there. Well, that's that's something. It's very, 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 um, yeah, very interesting.
3: Yeah. Uh I had a I had something in my the, head. I the
1: giant I the Giants off of uh uh off of the California thing. And we were just in San Francisco uh doing a meet up and a tour over there and you know I don't know. I I'm pretty sure that California has been you know part of the and part of the deluge stories california has been moving a lot i think i had a it has a, a way deeper history and i think it was an island at one point for sure and i definitely think there was giants here because the the mountains here look a lot like pyramids honestly i'm going to be 100 percent honest i'm going to go that route i'm going to say it that there's so many fucking beautiful mountains here that that are just covered in foliage and they're just perfect pyramid conical shape and you know we know it's hard to find the story of mounds in california because there's not that many you have the ohlone or a oh- ohlone it's o-h-o-l-o-n-e i believe and they built these big shell mounds and then that's what entire state of our uh, town of San Francisco was was built on top of these shell mounds and sand, and so it was a sand coast, you know. Um, and then the the Freemasons have been building on the California coast for a long time. Like it's just riddled with a bunch of signs on those, these little towns. And uh, you know you got the San Francisco Giants, right? Where does that that name come from? You know, <laughs> super famous sports team. Uh, and then the stories with Mount Shasta, uh, you know, being the Lemurian home base. There's like so much of that folklore. Uh, oh, but the Dan, did you did you find your question that that you
3: were? I did remember, yeah.
1: Are you go, because I was going to side rail completely and go into some other shapeshifter situations, (laughs) but uh, please continue.
3: Okay. I was going to bring up, like, the mounds and stuff, because uh, it it was, like, the Norse people that built the mounds and the Irish and stuff, yeah?
0: Yes, well, it was uh, Hermes, or Toth. He went around the world, and he was teaching them. But, yes, they are... Uh their their bloodlines definitely the vikings and i mean yes the the 13 the 13 tribes or 12 tribes whatever you can also follow the the way they um the migrations in my book i talk about that too i talk about studies of the yes of the different uh, dna and how they moved around so you're gonna really like that part I talk about all of that yeah. i put together things that i found from other people and just put it all in there together and velakovsky talked about that as well he was really into that um but yes yeah, there's other people that talk about these like uh, lawrence gardner and there's a website called the the hebrew na- well, Nations.com. And they tell you a lot about where the drives went <laughs> since Abraham. They don't go further, but they don't talk about the Anunnaki or the Sumerians. They don't talk about that, but they talk about since the time of Abraham and forward. So there's a lot of details and who is their enemies and their plans to to rule and <laughs> the,
3: the like Hebrew nations is it, is that like the Hebrew Israelites webpage?
0: uh it's called hebrew HebrewNations.com, uh, it's like a rabbi talking about it but it's just like all in the open all this really interesting information that it's pretty recent because sometimes you need like and i i try to read everything i can and i try to be open i don't do the oh he's this or that so i'm not going to listen to these people no no because you have to listen to everyone because they are proud of their background and they just want to tell you they they don't want to hide it so it's really fascinating and then you have to of course just throw out the the stupid shit you know the garbage just to throw that out like when you read the the, the the legends of the jews there's a ton of guilt tripping and you just, you just like say no thank you yeah. no thank you but then there's all this stuff that they're telling you about was what was happening and all the mutations and the giants and the the children of Cain with Lilith and the demons and demons actually means God. That's what that's what it means. Or like like a ruler, like a, so the word demon wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was just means lesser God.
3: Daemon. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, It became to be something bad, like evil, but it didn't mean that at all. And um, the mounts what I know yeah well they had the pyramids including the terraforming pyramids like bosnia the bosnia pyramids which is what mm-hmm. Tony was talking about and i i believe definitely that they're everywhere around the world because that's what they were doing and they just loved their they were awesome and they used them for different purposes and always they um, had their bunkers they were bunkers wh- wh- you- were bunkers.
3: oh they're bunkers. That's what i was going to ask is what was the difference between like the mounds and the pyramids why the different type of thing if they're built both built by hermes or by toth because toth also built the pyramids uh because he's he's the one that wrote the hermetic laws
0: yes yes
3: the atlantean
0: yes well he had the he he was like he had the know-how right so he was the one teaching and they didn't want this being taught to everyone except for the fallen angels that's why the the fallen angels were so chastised and so hated because they were teaching the humans all this technology that they were not supposed to because then they couldn't be controlled they were just doing their own thing and saying screw you we're just going to do our thing and we don't need you so that's why they were so hated by the that's why they were the fallen angels you know and all of this and the the evil or satan and all this stuff um yeah. it was all about control but the mounds had i think that they had different purpose when you couldn't build a pyramid you didn't have the technology or the time imagine if there's mm-hmm. a catastrophe coming and you just need to do it quick like quick a pyramid would take for a lot le- like m- way more time than to build a mound. and mounds, you probably know this but they're filled with underground chambers like t- little mm-hmm. cities so
3: like anthills uh, yeah
0: yeah yeah and uh and then they have all their symbols is always of the plasma formations of Mm -hmm. these super beautiful you know like spiraling uh shapes all usually three that they could see in the tails of planets and comets, which are the same thing basically Mm -hmm. just discharging or not what about this
1: uh you 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 said earlier like you know a sickness coming on the tails of comets and what have you found in your research about bacteria traveling on these things and what what has mainstream science found and maybe talked about about what gets what 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 comes on comets i have no idea but that is fascinating
0: yes well because comets are not made out of ice and they're not just melting they actually are attracting their hot rocky bodies and i have a video that i just made where i show you their own papers and their own data telling you they're just hot charged electromagnetically charged bodies just like a planet or a moon and sometimes they even said oh Ceres or an asteroid it's just the same thing it's just depending if they're discharging or not the electrical currents of other planets or the sun that changed voltage and then they look like comets, which uh, are these tails of plasma. So they are capturing everything they are encountering. So they capture if they go by Jupiter, they capture all these red elements, they capture their field also like they have burnt hydrocarbons on them, they have tar oil on the comet on the body of the comet. And they have tar and oil in their tails. They can also transmute elements because of the electricity that I was mentioning, the Ebner effect, electricity transmutes. So if their tails are capturing things and imagine they have also hydrogen and they have all kinds of minerals, all kinds of elements. They have gold, they have precious um, metals, they have stones, beautiful, precious stones, everything that you can think of. It's in the tales of comets and meteorites. That's why sometimes they're so, you know, important and they're so amazing. And they're they have radiation too. They 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 have radiation because the comets are just carrying all these cosmic rays. while well, they're interacting with Earth. They have all these cosmic rays that can hurt a lot. <laughs> Again, cause uh, uh,
1: oh, we cut out there. I cut out. Yeah, I cut out at the end, but it's okay because I have another question. Um, (laughs) So, in in the in the Saturnian cosmology or the electric universe model, um, you know, they talking the split from the golden age to what we are experiencing now is this new sun uh, and this these new solar rays and the light changing and everything. I was wondering more about like the Middle Ages and the Gothic period, um, and and what was happening. Uh, if you know what was happening then uh, cosmologically, and and if that could be explained. Uh, if you've looked at that part of history and um, what kind of crazy things were going on, because you know there there seemed to be a refinement of culture and like a syncretic, you know, stealing of culture from the ancient world there and 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 highly suppressed as you know <laughs> the funneling of the blonde lines continued um but i was also wondering what type of cosmological plays had on on the middle ages of history
0: yes um well just to finish bacteria there's bacteria and living organisms definitely in the tales of comets and then changing to this other question well the catastrophes have not stopped um they have continued and it's probably well there's different reasons there's a sort of cycle that i found but it doesn't mean that this is the only thing at all it's just part of it but it's not the only thing because there's also things that happen in between (laughs) these cycles that it's uh, i call the the 575 year cycle between jupiter venus earth and um Scientists also are acknowledging this, and the ancients are talking about this, including Noah Webster, which just like Velakovsky studied the relationship between comets, the electric universe or the electric solar system, because he did talk about electricity affecting life, disease, catastrophes on Earth, including the moon and of the other planets. And he mentions from the ancient historians and chronologists and chromatographers that The approach of well he says that we approach venus and mars and what i realize is that we actually move towards jupiter and i follow the history if you follow history you realize that people throughout the time the ages let's say just the last two thousand years which will will pass by the middle ages they are they were still worshiping venus mars and Jupiter, and you would say, Well, why is it because they are just descendants from these people? Like some of them say, Yes, we are like we, I'm descended from this person. Like so many people were still saying, including, um, in uh, what was it, seven 1690 AD? It was uh, the King Louis the 16th of France, he said, I am Jupiter and I am the sun and but also queen elizabeth said i am the sun and i control the weather (laughs) she was saying that and she had dress a dress with eyes and ears (laughs) Hmm, in her hmm. dress i hear everything and i see everything so so this creepy surveillance state of things is not new it's not new it's like the all-seeing eye so they're all seeing eye, so they would tell people, I see you and I hear you and I, because I am the rays of the sun and the eyes, the rays of the sun have eyes and ears, so be careful what you say and what you think. <laughs> and um, in the Middle Ages, well, I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous that sometimes I'm like, seriously, when I read history, it just doesn't stop and i'm thinking humans have had such a hard time we just have such a freaking hard time we've been lucky and of course now we're not lucky because mankind is mankind is bringing a lot of suffering besides what maybe nature could do but i think that maybe they're doing this because they know something is going to happen and they want to get rid of a bunch of people that that you know could cause a lot of problems for them, and there there might be a time coming that there's going to be drought, more droughts. I mean, there are already droughts, um, more droughts. I think more, we're heading um, into an ice age? Yes, just uh, mm, that. You know what? I'm I'm gonna have a um, no, I don't. But actually. If there's a big volcanic eruption like a really really big one that could just like it happened in 1814 the tambora or 1815 just an explosion that is not that big can cause a lot of problems because it just covers the sunlight and then the the crops fail and if the crops fail and there's just unseasonable weather your crop gets ruined and then what do you do you don't have a crop so it doesn't take a lot of stuff to ruin to ruin life for mankind and that's why these people always had their their um they were preppers the seed banks
1: in the sides of mountains in the netherlands and uh buying all the farmland and then testing out um trying to grow plants with less sunlight and trying to genetically modify plants that will do better under no sunlight those are all things that sir bill gates has done within the past decade (laughs) just just to talk about prepping
0: yes yes i think that i think seriously that because they can't tell us exactly what is going on they are just trying to do this other crazy thing and they are trying to figure out ways to keep the population alive Like you're saying, it sounds horrible, but during times of famine, people ate locusts, which are crickets, and honey, that's what the people would eat, and it's disgusting. I mean, I don't really, I mean, some people eat in Mexico, they eat crickets. I mean, they just, the natives eat crickets, (laughs) and worms, (laughs) they fry worms, I mean, it's gross, but so many other cultures do, and they just don't wink an eye, they think it's okay. We think it's gross, and I really don't want to eat insects. But maybe they know this is coming, so they're prepping people, and they they probably want to say they're probably want to try two techniques. One, let's just depopulate people. Let's just try to prevent them from from um, um, having children, which also happens when there's a a lot of catastrophes. People stop having children. That's what happens because your body cannot do both. I mean, the body is just trying to survive. So it's obvious that you're not going to be having children. It's not a good time, and then. Um, the other thing that um could happen is that uh they're trying to get rid of people which they can't (laughs) because the body of people the body the human body it's just amazing all of the body well all of nature all of nature kind of deals with what it's being thrown at and it kind of uh, fixes itself or it survives maybe we're not thriving but we're surviving and we feel like shit. you know we feel like headaches and we're dizzy because of all the emf but uh or the bad food or the pollution all the toxicity that we have to deal with but we're alive we don't die so i think they're just trying uh different ways like okay let's try to convince them let's try to see if they take these let's try to see if we can modify them so they can't have children so they're trying to lower the population and um <clears throat> and of course they're trying to to control people like see how much they can control and animals and plants so we are obedient or maybe we're not so dangerous during this and maybe until their technology lasts and maybe on the other side they will know oh we can do this you know we can just let's set it up again even if their if their technology if they're um yeah like the power grid and the satellites get destroyed well they know at least that they can do this again because a control it's always been one of their priorities to manipulate and control and they fight for control they fight for um like um, james corbett the, i love what he says about this he says they are fighting for the for the space between your ears <laughs> that's what they want they fight for that so they the both sides or three sides or however many sides there are they're fighting for that in your for your brain. <laughs> so they can they can control you. And it's true. It's true. And you mm-hmm. just have to watch the news. It's like a clown show. It's like clown town. It's just like Knowledge yeah, is
3: power. Um <laughs> you talk you talk about Marduk and how the you kind of do like a astrotheology about marduk and how that relates to the the cosmos and the and the electric universe can you get into that
0: of course (laughs) well marduk is the firstborn son of Ia or enki and Uh he was very upset because well his father was very upset because he was he he thought he was going to be the one to rule Earth, like the top dog. And it went the power went to his brother Elil, and that was after the deluge. So when the time of the uh, entering of the the Age of Tauros, and I was gonna mention this, Atlantis also sank in the age of Aries. That's when wow. Marduk took over. Speaking of Marduk, so they blame Marduk for causing this, which is what the yeah. Numaile talks about. Marduk, which is Jupiter, or Nibiru before, it was Nibiru, which means planet of crossing, so it's many planets that cross the path of Earth mm-hmm. because Earth was a freaking comet, so of course it encountered all kinds of things, besides the big planets it encounter a ton of moons, and you can see these stories in the War of, in the, war of the Titans. It's How would they detailed. travel
1: back and forth? Do you, do, you, do you have a theory on that?
0: How they move between planets?
1: Yeah, because I I always have heard the you know the Mars being like coming back and forth, or maybe Earth was going back and forth to Mars, but in, uh, the Velikovsky Saturnian um, when they they were all in a line, like uh, the, the planets were lined up, and then Mars would kind of be this satellite planet that would come back and forth, yeah, or portal yes. or something you could get to well, access of the north. You're
0: gonna have to, yeah. I never found a polar configuration per se, but it doesn't matter because it's not necessary, it's not needed. It Still, there was all these catastrophes. Mm-hmm. So what he was like, trying to explain is that they were like a comet. So Saturn was pulling the, the other planetary bodies like a comet, which could have been for a little while, but it's not really found exactly explained like that. It's more explained like castration. So Whoa, the cat, yeah, castration. Like, it, that's how they, they love to talk about sex. Well, these people... got get your catheter, you know, dude. They're, obsessed. <laughs> they're just a little obsessed with sex. Yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, look at all the mythologies. They're always naked and everything is like... Mm-hmm. Or the Hittite story. I mean, that's... You know the Hittite story, right? That Kumar B, Kumar B. Ate. Like, I mean, it's really... <laughs> like, he bit off the the private parts of the other guy that he was fighting but they're talking about the planets and the people fighting like Mm. they were real but then they talk about like these crazy stories because of what people are seeing in the sky but it's the same thing as the story of the greeks of castration from or um dethronement of uranus by his son Cronus, and then the same thing happened to Cronus by his son jupiter but what that means is that they are the sickle means like a plasma discharge that people could see it was like a sickle and that sickle actually the castration was the captured it took away the planet and eating the planet doesn't mean or the children it doesn't mean that Cronus ate his children like ate them physically no he he actually cover them with his plasma and his uh, electric filaments and his cmes it was like coronal mass ejections and they have water it had a lot of water and all these rings that it ejected was water and all these elements because stars produce elements in their atmosphere it's called the, the Marklund convection they create elements just like earth creates some of the elements from within and the volcanoes ec- just eject all this new life and new elements, right? It creates crust, crustal and and life. The ashes always creates the best food. Um, mm. the, you know, it's so filled with um, nutrition, nutrients. So, um, well, Marduk would be Jupiter. He would be the equivalent of Jupiter. But you remember, he took over. so. But it doesn't matter. The important thing is that there was the planets, the castration meant that one castrated the planets from, or, or captured the planets from the other because of electrical interactions, when Nova and the planets were moving because the energy or the current strongest, the strongest current. So there was more electromagnetism pulling it towards, towards Jupiter and the sun just because the sun was stronger it had a higher voltage and the Birkland currents you probably know about this they're like concentric circles of different voltages and different intensities of each current they counter rotate that's where the planets are traveling along that's the orbits what we call the orbits and they are behind spiraling behind the star the sun so we were going through one being temporarily just like these big stars like well not star i'll call them stars but they're unlit stars the jupiter and neptune and saturn they're still capturing moons all the time that means just like earth imagine earth that it was different because before uh we came all in together so it was like a big mess it was like the, the war of the titans that's why the world the titans mm-hmm. was based on and marduk was blamed for castrating and uh creating the flood well he was blamed for making goes, uh, making saturn go nova and when saturn go, went nova it caused the flood but he was blamed on jupiter like the egyptian going back to the egyptian the god Nar- uh, narmer or menace after the flood which was after um Horus so Horus was the last god to rule before the flood now there's a little bit of like there's a little bit of confusion because here there was several floods there was just not one so are they talking about the flood of the time of Dardanus the one that we were talking about the sinking of Atlantis or are they talking about the flood of Noah they don't say they don't say mm-hmm. they just tell you there was a flood and after the flood Narmis uh sorry uh what did i say menace or narmer that was the first pharaoh the first human not god but human or demigod to rule after the flood he inscribed in the temple of jupiter a sort of like a very nasty um yeah some hieroglyphs there saying you know it's your fault <laughs> you caused damn you you caused the the flood and this kind catac- of catastrophe and so that probably tells you that that happened during the time of jupiter which is around the time of the minoan uh, the minoans and santorini exploding and the exodus which was around the 1500s bc but unfortunately i don't know sometimes when i look at religions i don't know if it's marduk the one that we are praying to as the god like so our god like the monotheistic god father father heavenly father um our father well you know father then all these the christians it might be marduk and sometimes I, I would think is it Elil? is it marduk who, who are the, who are these people who are we praying to and uh i think it's marduk <laughs>
3: um i'm actually with you on that um so do you think that sitchin was wrong because he says marduk is nibru so you don't believe that marduk was nibru you think that he was jupiter but didn't marduk kill enlil who was jupiter and then take over the tile and that's no. you're
0: right you're right yes see it's confusing because of what i was saying that he kind of supplanted so there was like two two stories that you find and then you're like okay yeah he has observed the the place. He became a dictator. And he's also mm-hmm. Atum, by the way, Atum-Ra. That's Marduk as well. Yes. Yes. So, and yes, and amon Zeus amon I think that Zeus is Jupiter Ninurta, the son of Elil. And then every time you see uh, amon or Amun, mm-hmm. Amun-Ra, then that's Marduk. And and he also called himself the sun, he was like a sun god, but he wasn't because he was the sun that we that we are uh, closest to now, which is called Apollo in the Greek text, or uh, Utu in the Sumerian text, that would be our current sun. Marduk was called the sun because Jupiter was like a sun to us because they were like little suns. They were acting like a sun, they look like a sun. And even planets like Venus, when it's very close to us, it looks like a little bit like a sun because it's so bright and it's totally like, just like glowing, it's glowing with all this plasma, um, you know, the serpentine plasma. So that's something confusing when people, or confused, uh, conf- well, confusing for people when they hear the word sun they think of all of them were this sun, but not. They represented different suns. And Marduk, what he did is he took out the name Nibiru, which meant also Jupiter. So Nibiru, here, I can I can read it to you here because that's mm-hmm. maybe quite interesting. Um, it's the
3: wandering Jupiter.
0: It was, yeah, included Ni- i think i spelled it nibiru okay yeah i found it so let's see jupiter well he was nibiru according to babylonian astronomy and but nibiru Mm. also represented see Jupiter Hadad Adad Ninurta. So Jupiter was represented by different, by different people, like I said, or rulers, Was son of Elil. So Baal or with the B A apostrophe A L, that's Zeus or Adad, the of the bloodline of Elil. Assur to the Canaanites, Ilu, Ia, or Yah, Adonai. In Latin, Jupiter is Deus Pater, D. D I I div like divine dios yovis diovis dios in the Indo European yao yao like yao in China to some um no let's see to the ancient Greeks uh let's see Dionysius uh was also and then well, then Thor of the Norse, Indra of the Hindu, Elil was originally Saturn. And like I said, Marduk in the later Babylonian version of the Enuma Elish, when he took the role of chief ruler around 1700 BC, some people say during the time of Hammurabi, so if you look for Hammurabi, that's about the time of marduk who gave him the laws of the babylonians like the terrible laws <laughs> that everyone talks about supplanted so and lilan in Lila this time so he replaced the word Nib- niburu and put his put his name marduk in the text and he battled tiamat and i have, i can talk to you about tiamat what i think it is it's not a different planet than some people think it was just the monster that people saw just like uh jupiter it could have been so at the time of jupiter events um, we interacted not just with jupiter but all the moons of jupiter imagine how many moons there were around jupiter that we had to encounter and just you know deal with and see in the sky so it could have been one of these moons that was looking very scary and like a monster and if you look at tiamat um, I also talk about Tiamat being the mother of Elil, so Marduk, he hated the mother of Elil because that wasn't his grandmother, his grandmother was someone else, and mm. he made to the monster, so he called her the monster, <laughs> that's her, <laughs> and that's what these people used to do, they used to blame each other, like long time ago they used to do this, and say that's the spirit or the body embodiment of this Tiamat, and I'm going to fight it. So they would pretend to be fighting it, but this is what happened when he says he split Tiamat in two, the text says that he created on earth the Euphrates River and the other river that is next to it, you Mm -hmm. know, like two rivers. So he's not talking about, he's talking about earth. So it's kind of confusing. It's confusing. So it's you have to think about it that way because people say oh it was a planet that got destroyed and it's the the asteroid belt but i don't see that in the text it doesn't really explain it as that it was more
2: Mm.
0: plasma discharges that they could see in the sky and earth having geological changes and rivers being formed including the one in mesopotamia because that's what the text
3: could it have been like a continent splitting apart from the other piece of it
0: Definitely. And Marduk Jupiter became the young Bel or Belus in Babylon. Also he became known as Hamon, Amun, Amon, Amun Ra and Atum, Atum Ra in Egypt. And then he became, I guess, the one that is worshipped by the Christians, unfortunately, because you can see the hats of the the popes, they look like the head of a fish Fish right like the table or this this god all right so then nibiru also meant here i'm just trying to find the text Um, you can ask me something else in the meantime or say something while i find it
3: okay oh well we're about at our two hour mark, so we're going to kind of wrap it up.
0: Wow. Uh, so I found it. Once you, I found it. Right. Yep. Yeah. As mentioned, okay, Nibiru was used for Jupiter, talking about Jupiter, mm-hmm. Mercury, Ia, Neptune, and Venus, with Earth's magnetic field and cost catastroph- when it caused catastrophic disruptions. So it was mentioned in the text as having this places like or a reddish star when he was jupiter Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to mention that
3: yeah i know roman wanted to ask about the red rain
0: oh yes yes the red rain that they said it was blood well during the middle ages and the dark ages there were so many terrible cataclysmic events because of these approaches of Venus and Mars that we were doing every 575 years and 1680 was one of the times that we approached Venus but also before and after, I think we moved towards all this um, big area of moons, like a just very, yeah, we move closer to all this space where it's just I mean, I guess they're everywhere comets and moons. Unfortunately, they're just flying everywhere around the solar system. And the red rain is the elements that the comets or the planets capture and they could be iron oxide or sulfur oxide and they are seen coming down as blood or they were they were it was said that it was blood raining but it was not blood raining down it was these elements and they would make the water toxic so all the rivers and the oceans, including in the time of the Exodus, you could see the, the red, o- well, the Red Sea, but the ocean turning red mm-hmm. and in Egypt, the water turning red and all the animals and people that would drink from it would die because it was very toxic.
1: Damn. Yeah, that's, uh, that's heavy. <laughs> is it, is what's the most recent time, um, that that's happened, uh, is that what some forms of acid rain could be here
0: that that's true, but that rain the red rain we see we still see it sometimes around the world uh, you just don't know if it's like dyes that people throw in the water i mean we could be seeing a lot more strange things happening and there's two big planets in the solar system bernardinelli bernstein that's coming close to saturn in 2030 but it's already in the solar system and k2 which is already by mars and it's it's close it's perihelion is december 19th, 2022 and um so i think there's yeah i think there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening in the in the next uh day years or decade for sure and um it uh I made a, a playlist of um, the hidden history with uh, catastrophes of the last 2,000 years, and I go into mm. all of the the different, like the Dark Ages, the the Middle Ages, the 1800s. I mean, I go through the whole 2,000 last years that no one really has talked about, like Villakovsky I well, Noah Webster did, but a little different. He, He talked about pandemics and catastrophes, but he didn't talk about the gods and the planets, and he didn't do that part. (laughs) And yes, during the Middle Ages, that was happening, and they, you know, the time of the burning of the witches, and every time there was a lot of people dying, and um, just weird things happening, they would blame their enemies, and they would say it's witchcraft, or just blame their enemies, oh, they're poisoning us. But it was all these... These encounters with the tales of all these planets and comets, including um Noah Webster during 16, what was it? 17, I think 1790s when he wrote his book. He tells you there that he lived through some interesting phenomena that had to do with Mars approaching Earth, much closer than that it had been in you know hundreds of years. And um It wasn't as bad as the 1600s, but you had the Little Ice Age. And that, um, hold on. The Little Ice Age was, I think, from 1640 to 1680. There was just really, really, really a hard time. And I'm going to have a presentation and it's gonna be free um, on YouTube. Uh, This is gonna be on on the channel, The Geometric View. And I will have the link on, on my channel, so if you put a channel, uh, the link to my channel, the people can find it, or the Geometric View, okay. it's a very simple name, which I go into this if we are heading towards a Little Ice Age. And it's going to be free, and okay. it's going to be free, uh, showing at 1.30, it's part of the Electromagnetic uh, Universe World Fair <laughs> that they're doing in Detroit on the 14th of August, oh. this Saturday, next Saturday but they have a virtual presentation by many people that can't make it or
1: i posted it on our telegram and i'll post another uh link uh, probably tomorrow yes yes of course
0: yeah so make sure to check that one and then i will i'm putting also i put two videos that are related to that just lately like the newest videos that's why I, Mm -hmm. i uploaded them so it's it's related to that so there's i go deeper into those subjects and um it could happen anytime i mean we are in a very active universe and solar system and there's just never boring (laughs) never a dull moment and yeah expect some craziness Sweet.
3: and also your book is free on your website right
0: yeah, everything is free. Wait, I have download. donations. I really appreciate that. Or gifts through PayPal, mm-hmm. or people can contact me if they want to send it some other way if they don't have PayPal. But uh, yeah, everything is free.
3: And okay. uh, tell people in the name in, of the YouTube channel. Is it also Mythos Decoded?
0: No, I changed it <laughs> to <laughs> Tess Asterisk Ancient Worlds and Cosmic Explorer. Yeah, it's a little bit long, oh, but I. Can, my
3: sh- I can, short name. I'll
0: put the link. Yes, I'll. Put, well, you have it right, uh, Romy.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we'll we'll, oh, uh, we'll, asterisk, we'll put everything. In, yeah. Next
1: yeah, we'll put everything in the, yeah. in the show notes, and then they can clicky clicky and go see what's good. Um. And Yeah, yeah they can forward see- to your presentation this weekend
0: thank you yeah they can search for test clark mythos decoded and i'm on uh, odyssey as well but very few people are in odyssey yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah well thank you guys it's been fun thanks for. Right, yeah me. thank
3: you very much for joining us today we appreciate it yeah it was
0: awesome yeah, thank, you. thank you so
1: much uh, we don't get to talk about the saturnian uh, uh, cosmos too much so that this has
3: been it's been great plan on diving deep here oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's all our, it's also our egypt and uh sumerian months so
0: yeah it, it well. kind of
3: fits right into mm-hmm. all of that stuff also so yeah. it's perfect We'd
0: love to talk to you again if people if your listeners like it and um, we can always talk oh. more and we can do a video thing yeah. if you want you can do a excellent video yeah time. i'm
3: sure they will nice right
0: yeah.
3: well thank you very much again Tess, and uh Every fire tribe, go check her out on Mythos Decoded website and check her out on YouTube. And if you're not down with that, wake up.